following announcement has been paid for by the WZWA Network. Hi, everybody. This is former WWE superstar Al Snow. And- CWN is Sean Oliver. My name is Eugene. And you are watching the Insider's Edge podcast. Now get on the train. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the podcast here in conjunction with the WCWA Network. I am the host with the most here tonight in Perth, Western Australia, California in Fury. And I have a very, very special guest here tonight. As many of you may know, I've been a member of Russo's brand since Pyro and Ballyhoo. I've been a part of it for for many years now. And uh, uh, somebody who is quite a prevalent figure in Russo's brand is the one and only Bin Harmeen. And there might be some people that watch this show who might not know who Bin Harmeen is, but I'm telling you right now, I am telling you right now, anytime I've wanted to articulate the way that I feel about a certain aspect of the wrestling business as a mark, I haven't been able to put the words together correctly because I am a mark and I've never been in the business, but there's a guy, his name's Bin Harmeen, and every time he says something about the wrestling business, I'm like, that's exactly the way that I wanted to say it. I'm bringing him on right now, the one and only Ben Harmeen. Yalla, yalla, Packer Hamid live. It's for greatness we strive, and we don't talk any jive because we try to stay alive here. Down under, it's Hacker Hamid, Hamid Media Group, Russo brand, over strong California, inferi, infidel, inferi us all because we're coming to take this thing to the ground. Yalla. That is the best response I've had to the intro ever. <laughs> Good um, stuff, man. Glad to be here with you, dude. Uh, this. Uh, UK and Aussie and New Zealand contingent has really been some of the biggest growth numbers we've seen at Russo brand and Hameen Media Group. So I just want to say thank you and shout out to everybody down there, man, whether it's the conspiracy side, the hardcore wrestling side, the independent wrestling side. My my boots come from stevetheshoeman.com, an Australian bootmaker, and a lot of NXT and AEW peoples do as well. Australia, man, really holding it down for the wrestling world, becoming a cornerstone, uh, and they need to have some uh, positive light shine on them for all the hardcore fans they got down there. So thanks a lot to all you guys. Absolutely. And, I, and I'm not sure a lot of people across the globe are aware of, of how many wrestling companies there actually are in Australia. And uh, there's a lot going on over here. There's a, you know, now there are finally we're infiltrating the WWE and NXT and and uh, it's been crazy for me. Like, uh, uh, I, get, well, I don't know what his wrestling name is now. Um, Shane Fawn, I guess he's in Redemption. Mm-hmm. I did backyard wrestling with him when I was a teenager. So, like, to me, it's crazy to know that someone I did wrestling with when I was a kid is now on Monday Night Raw. So, you know, we're all finally starting to get there. You know, beforehand, everyone was like, oh, the only Aussie wrestler that ever existed was Nathan Jones. Well, no. <laughs> No, the women have done amazing things out of Australia as well. Uh, You know that they've, they've almost taken it to the next level to shine the light on them. And uh, sometimes it just takes uh, that that underground a little while to build up, man. And I got to say, you know, I know Zoran Timerick down there is a big, uh, was a big independent promoter. And he had booked a a lot of guys from OVW that I know from Nick Densmore to my guy, uh, Muhammad Ali Vaez. And a lot of people got a chance to go be international stars before they may have even been on the big uh, scene, you know what I mean? To, to be able to warrant that. So Australia definitely has its pulse on the underground of wrestling. And 
sometimes what is and what isn't my favorite stuff, but that's fine, man. It's uh Baskin Robbins, 31 flavors, and you can like what you like. Uh, if you don't know, if you don't have Baskin Robbins in uh, Australia, that's we, ice actually, cream. we, we do actually, there's, there's not <laughs> right. many things from over there that we do have, but we only just started getting seven 11 in the last few years. Uh, we still don't well, have you Starbucks you don't. in my city, but they do over east. It's weird. We'll keep it with 7-Eleven. You don't want 9-Eleven. We don't want to export that to you. <laughs> no. And, and Ben, um, I, I want to say this this show that I kind of crafted was really yeah. a, about, you know, how I feel about your opinions and how I feel like every time you say something, I agree with it. And it, every time it always makes perfect sense. And this is cool because sometimes it doesn't to me. I, so I'm glad it's good. I'm glad it's translating man across all borders. Thank it you. That's does, very bro. It totally does. And I want to call this, you know, Ben Harmine saves the wrestling business. Oh, well. No pressure, no pressure, <laughs> but I, I, I've got a, a bunch of topics, just dot points. I haven't got any actual questions, but I thought we could make a discussion of it, but mainly hearing what you've got to say about it and, and it's about kind of like where the WWE went went wrong. And as we know, the WWE, when they're not doing well, no one else is doing well. And yeah. I think first and foremost, the most important dot point to begin with is creative. And just for, a, you know, a little beginning of this section, I, I would like to say, you know, creative in wrestling from, you know, 60s, 70s, 80s, was always there was always a booker there was never television writers but it got to a point where they needed to be television writers mm -hmm. uh and that was incredibly successful at that point in time in the late 90s but something went wrong somewhere somewhere along the line we went wrong and it was no longer working so ben um you know i want to ask you where do you think it first went wrong and what is wrong with it today and what could be done to fix it? Well, do the uh, victor of the war go the spoils, right? And they kind of got spoiled after we ended the Monday Night Wars. And even at the end of the Monday Night Wars, WCW, their creative was going down as well. And ECW is dead. So what do they do? They try and create an in-house war where we know that there are no real stakes. So now we're just watching our stars in a phony storyline kind of mail it in instead of really taking pride in their brand because everything's under WWE, no matter what they call it with the reboot of ECW or what have you, right? And we're getting terrible things like the zombie and uh, Mike Knox and uh, like is a, is a big push. Not that Mike Knox is bad by any means. I don't want to down him, but like I'm just thinking of that time of like who they're trying to force on us, you know. And yeah. then and that's right when I'm leaving Chicago, 2005, 2006 ish uh, to go to OVW to study. So you know that was Ryback, Cody Rhodes. Sean Spears, uh, the Spirit Squad, a lot of those guys when I was there were who was on top and CM Punk and and whatnot. So it was really that class of just terrible creative from WWE where they started mailing it in, where it was a Steph and Triple H authority promo for two years. We got that 25-minute opening because they won. They don't have any pressure to do any better than what it is. They think they're over because of the height of the Attitude Era, and they're just trying to coast on that instead of actually staying fresh, adapting, getting things over, creating new stars, 
and creating stars that are uh, bigger than WWE. They don't want that because they can't control those egos. So they make a pact with themselves that no one will be a bigger star than the Fed itself. John Cena, probably your last one to make it out of that. But, um, you know, people would even say, you know, the, the classic Cena match and the years we sat through that of you can't see me, here comes the FU or the AA and, you know, you could mail, he mailed it in during that time. And there, it's not like he needed, didn't need to do anything, but then when he needs to show and prove that he's a OVW Rip Rogers guy, and he has a great program with Kevin Owens and AJ Styles, you know, like really inspirational stuff where you're like, this guy is the best in the biz where, you know, the rock might come out and call out things for what they are wearing fruity pebbles, trying to appeal to six-year-olds when your main demo of ticket buyers are 35 to 40 or what have you, but they got kids and they want to share that experience. So we just got caught in a really trap. And the other thing too is <laughs> cause triple H and Steph have kids cause uh, Shane has kids. Now Vince plays grandpa. Well, guess what? Everybody, we, we go from the corporate tycoon to everybody's doing the family thing. Cause we're doing it. And, and everybody has to, we're going TV PG because games at home watching Teletubbies with the kids. And that's his life now. You know what I mean? Like, so we all had to suffer through this bullshit, terrible creative. And the other part of that is that they said, what's hot right now in TV, reality TV, no matter what, let's just hire as many reality show writers as we can, who don't know the first thing about wrestling, about don't even know the terms heels and baby faces <laughs> and, and what a heel actually needs, which is heat. And you can't have a baby face unless you have a heel or a villain because nobody's going to walk in the room and go, Hey, I'm the good guy. I'm the baby face that has everybody in the room go. You're a fucking asshole. Don't tell me you're a good guy. Mm. <laughs> you got a show. Don't tell in every great movie or great script. You usually start with an inciting incident of showing the heel getting heat. So your audience has a hatred toward that person. And now they're looking for any up and coming baby face or, you know, a knight in shining armor to ride in and, and save the day. But you just can't be the knight in shining armor and go, I'm over. That's pretty much what Triple H and Steph were doing at the beginning of every show for three years. And they're denying Daniel Bryan's push because they think he's too small. Meanwhile, the crowd is hijacking their shows until the point when they finally have to swallow the jagged little pill. And and then they're even going, yes. And it looks so corporate and phony by that time, dude. It just turns your stomach of anything organic that if you came through the ECW era and you were a, a fan and you were a part of the show and you actually had an influence and the, the performers would re- be able to react to you. And, and we're all doing something great together, creating an organic piece of art, as opposed to this super scripted uh, ego driven, put us over we're royalty of America type feeling. That's what killed the wrestling business in the last 10 to 15 years. And that's why you've gone from an 8.0 rating during right to censor with my co-host Stevie Richards at the peak of wrestling, the high point to a constant 1.6 down now, because they will not, they refuse to look in the mirror and point the finger at themselves, even though they know it, they know disaster is at the end of the road, but they would, instead of making a U-turn and going back and getting help, 
they will press the accelerator and drive right into oblivion. And we are, we're all along for the ride. That's why we have fucking T bar in retribution. Now, <laughs> like these dumbass things, dude, like just intelligence, insulting, bad level stuff yes. from Bruce Pritchard, Vince McMahon, Mark Carano being the, the cockroach that does all the dirty work. Johnny Ace being the yes man saying yes to whatever so he can keep his job. You know, and, and now taking guys that I came up with, Adam Pierce and Pat Buck, and making them on camera dudes who I know have great knowledge, but they'll make them dance. They'll make them dance the same exact way instead of letting them say, what do you guys think about this? Should we be doing this this way? And like, no, it's just more the same. Keith Lee's promos. Why would you let Keith Lee speak like that on camera like William Shatner why would you let these uh people use social media the way they do uh, to, to undercut your investment yeah. like everyone is so delusional and outside of the box and it's because you're run by 60 and 70 year olds I mean all you need to do is go talk to 60 70 and 80 year olds on any topic and see that they need to be treated like they're six, five years old, like there's a decline. And even that's in go our government too, in our system, there needs to be like a wall cut off 65 years old. You don't get to make any more decisions for society. You have no more power. You're out of yeah. touch with everything. And you could say that about the entire wrestling business as well. And I agree wholeheartedly. And I knew I would, <laughs> I knew I would, <laughs> but I mean, I, I remember when wrestling used to be a thinking man's show. Sure. Well, at least a few years there was a thinking man show if you missed one episode god forbid because the next right. week you did not know what was going on Vince the Russo devil's in the details many times that you can go months and 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 tune back in and uh you won't feel like you missed a thing which is but uh one thing i wanted to ask you know why do you think that they went away from the smaller team of writers i know that they added smackdown and they still had little committees for both shows or whatever but why do you think it grew from that to 30 odd people it was them being marks for hollywood uh they really vince mcmahon no matter as much of a billionaire as he is he's still a north carolina trailer park scumbag who's looking for northeastern approval and probably his father's approval if you want to get to the psychology it of it all and his father running the northeast is why it's important for him to be the man in the northeast but really he's a southern trailer park carney you know at the end of the day and then once they did that uh wwe goes hollywood which were great sketches with the yeah. the brave heart and all that kind yeah. of stuff that was the time that was kind of that that window you're talking about and they vince again wanting to be accepted so much into the hollywood power like so i just need these people's acknowledge me that i am you are my tribal chief uh, they you know like that he needs that so much that it was like well watch what i have i'm gonna hire all of these people too i'm not and they're they're doing great numbers we're gonna hire big brother we're gonna hire this person we're gonna hire that and the other and then you know you got patrice o'neill on staff and uh, patrice likes wrestling and god rest his soul one of the greatest comedians of all time in my opinion but patrice o'neill don't know fuck all about wrestling and how to put heat on a heel and get somebody over and the the tennessee two-step or anything he just don't know i mean i listen to patrice o'neill now all day but uh it's it's those type of things that 
that he just wanted to look a certain way. I've got 28 writers on staff, you know, because that's what they have on big brother or reality show. So that's WWE marking out for Hollywood to show them that we can be one of you, even though they don't want to be in instead of going to what they needed to do and, and letting the guys write the show who they have there as agents or whatever, just keeping it simple with, he and on the heels and baby faces get made off of that because you can't pay off one without the other. And now we have baby faces getting heel heat on the heels. So what does your heel mean? That's nothing. So now nobody has a chance to get over whatsoever. Yeah. It's just, uh, it's mind boggling to me that the evidence is there of how to do it right. If you just look at previous footage, um, everything old is new again. It's all been done before. And, and that's what we love as human beings. <laughs> we, we act like we're so advanced because of our technology in the last hundred years, but encoded in your DNA is the sit around the campfire story. And there'll always be a love story. There'll always be a power story. There'll always be a brother turning on brother story. There'll always be a David and Goliath story. These tropes go through Shakespeare, they go through Sophocles, they go through uh, anything you want. Mark Twain, why are you not playing to human DNA? Why do you think you can change it and that you're going to be successful doing that? And not only have they not been successful, they've been horrible at it the last six years as they've watched their, their numbers go from three and a half down to 1.5 but they just keep pressing on that accelerator and they keep fucking cashing in stocks right before the quarterly yeah. earning comes yeah. out. And that's an SEC violation that they could all go to jail for. They, they think they're over because they did whatever CIA propaganda piece it is where they're working with them to go to the kingdom of Saudi Arabia and cash in huge there as well. So they're going to, they, they went from being the owners of the Carney act to now having masters USA Fox, the Saudis. And now they have to lie to Fox and USA every week about um, oh, why are ratings down? Oh, it's because football's back. Oh, it's because of the, oh, it's because, oh, it's because of COVID. Oh, it's like, no, the bottom line is because you guys are out of touch, egomaniac, narcissist, psychopaths who are hell bent on doing heat payoffs and putting Lana through a table four times week to week to week to make yourself pop in gorilla position because you hate Rusev for what he's done. Yeah. And that's more important to you than giving your audience the top level entertainment. Well, guess what? Your audience knows all that. And it's not like you're getting over on anybody. So they're just going, what are these old out of touch pricks doing every week on my TV? Why are they not giving me good content that I get from Amazon prime HBO and, and uh, Netflix? They, they just refuse to drop their ego and do the right business and hire the right people. Yeah, absolutely. And, People give WCW Thunder from back in the day a hard time, but WCW Thunder did better ratings than, than anything that's going on today. And I just had an argument with someone in the last 24 hours of mine. I've got to stop doing it because there's a mm. lot of dumb wrestling fans out there. And, you know, I'm a mark, but I, I admit it. But I'm, I know that there are just so many dumb marks out there that just well that's the thing there's some people I, I i usually don't sell but there's some people inside my house i got into it the other day with one of my guys who should know better because they're a little more smartened up than anybody people make dumb stupid decisions online myself included but there's some people 
when you say marks, like I just can't even slow down to like acknowledge them because the knowledge difference Mm. in what I've done to pay my dues and learn from the masters to sit and trying to have an argument with somebody who played a video game with uh, Congo Kong. And now they think they're over with me. <laughs> they're more <laughs> over than me because they paid $20 for Kong to play Madden with them or something that, <laughs> that they can talk to me on a one-to-one level. And, you know, I'm just a human at the end of the day. I'm not trying to say I'm above yeah. anybody else. But if you're going to come at me like you're in the locker room and like, bro, your match sucked and you don't know what the fuck you're talking about when you haven't <laughs> you haven't paid due one. And I've been in the trenches for 20 years nonstop, really 32 years, if you want to talk about my whole performance career. But like, there's no way I'm slowing down. All I'm going to do is kick you in the face one time and keep walking because your opinion is worthless to me. And it also shows that you don't know how to shut the fuck up and stay small, which is lesson one in the locker room, because the second you try and puff your chest out and, and cock strut around, you're just going to, you're just putting a huge target on yourself from the guys who really know how to do it. And you're not going to get any of their respect that way, dude. You really, are. the only reason I talk like this now is because I put that time in because I've been fucked over 58 ways to Sunday. And because I have influence on the industry, because we're the black market of creative at Hameen Media Group and Russo Brand. Uh, we're consulting constantly with talents who reach out to us because the creative at the TV is so bad. And that's yeah. a shoot. I'm not going to name names. That's every fed. That's all your top feds, bro. So don't continue to not hire us. Continue to not pay me. I'll be the pirate until you guys get to oblivion at 65, 70 miles an hour. And then the solution will be there. But until they hang themselves there, there is no way to, to stop this. There is no way to stop the Titanic from sinking. They've taken on too much water at this point. Yeah. And, and just the point I wanted to make before was just like people hang so much shit on WCW and stuff, but it's just like, yeah. it really wasn't that bad in comparison to what I've seen in the last few years. But um, I wanted to move on to the next part, which was character development slash wasting the prime of a career. There have been many guys whose primes of their career have been won. Dolph Ziggler's first ever singles match at WrestleMania was this year. That's insane to me that mm. a guy that that talented could never have a program going into a WrestleMania that was meaningful to his character, to his story and his everything that the Dolph Ziggler character has gone through. For that character to have never had something meaningful going in to something as big as a WrestleMania. Yet there's all these other guys over the years. And I want to bring up the Dudley boys as an example. They're a team that obviously uh, were proven to draw a bit of money for them. Once a feud ended, another feud began. There was always another story around the corner. Nowadays, that just doesn't seem to happen with a lot of people. What do you think happened to and I'm sure we're going to rehash what we talked about with creative, but what do you think happened to character development, people going from one feud to another? Why did that disappear? Is there too much red tape in the uh, creative process? Uh, yes and no. There's a couple answers to this, and we can throw in Damian Sandow, Ryback, obviously <laughs> so Ziggler. Uh, like Ziggler is, you know, the, the rebirth of Mr. Perfect, that, that Perfect's kid, they didn't even try and do with uh, Axel, you know? 
Same with IRS, Bo Dallas. You can go right down the list. Mike you know, Barrett. I mean, there's just yeah, <clears throat> all the guys that come up with an OVW pretty much, and now finally Drew's on top where he should be. But you know, endless um, people that just they could have given so much more, but were so never much. given the fucking content necessary to do something interesting and sink their teeth into something fucking exciting. Yeah, there's and two reasons. Back in the day, everyone always had it all the time. So let's take Damian Sandow, right? And here's a guy who wins money in the bank, can get himself over at the top of the ramp with a promo, the, you know, the uh, savior of the masses, the, the promos there, the music's different, all character work. Even when he goes to Impact, does Liberace, gets that over, goes to NWA, does Monrovian Karate, gets that over. <laughs> like, and the guy's a, a blue chip athlete. He's 6'6", six, six, yeah. 260, and, and, you know, built and looks great. There's not uh, many that big still, anymore, you know? Oh, yeah, but still can't get the right creative to get him over. Why? Because with the little things they give him that they think are going to be a rib, he goes, okay. And then he goes out and shows you that I can take anything, anything and get it over. And the worst thing that you can do to end your push is do something that they think isn't going to get over or it be your thing and get it over. Nothing makes them want to stop you cold more than that. That, yeah. So that's one thing. Don't you dare get yourself over on any other shit. And guys who do that, they are fucked. <laughs> uh, then the other part of that is, is we're writing the show on Monday afternoon at 3 p.m. Yeah. So how do yeah. you expect, how do you expect to do long-term business where I'm going to do a feeder program where maybe it's, uh, uh, you know, a stepping stone to get the Dudleys up to that top level to face Edge and Christian. Well, who do they have to go through? Maybe there's a mini feud with the Hardy boys or what have you underneath, but, and then they would transition. All of that is planned out in a, at that time in a three month, uh, a three month, um, you know, long storyline here. We're showing up looking, Vincent, let me see that script. Oh, goddamn Sunday, you know, and then yeah. it's thrown out and we're rewriting promos on the fly and you can feel it. So how are you supposed to do any long-term business while they're just showing up that afternoon? And then your performers who thought they were doing something or might've had some grasp on it are getting all new pages of over scripted shit. That's the third part. You're going to read this word for word. You're going to say coward. You're going to say, uh, what, <laughs> what did retribution say? Um, oh shit. Uh, insects uh the locust we are the locusts and a, a plague is coming to get do what 20 year olds talk about locusts <laughs> and the plague or call anybody a fucking coward nobody no, go watch no. the keith lee uh braun Strowman promo that they did on wwe so bad braun he had the gall to come down and face me and that's why i respect him and keith lee he if it's a monster you want then it's a monster you shall have like bro the most brutal amateur acting the most brutal <laughs> out of touch writing from 60 and 70 year olds who think this is i don't even know what they're writing for to be honest with you like i i can't even uh, put it adjacent to anything and then ready go and what do you think your audience is going to do how can you make black guys not cool i don't know but wwe has found a way to do it bro 
they can take the coolest black guys and make them total shit bags that I don't it's care about. Right. What's so enough. true, man? Like they're the coolest people on the fucking planet, and they've never made any of them cool. Not one of them, dude. Why have why? How do they not see that? Here's the perfect example. Bobby Lashley, you left for impact and got yourself over. You got yourself over in Bellator. You look like a fucking million bucks, yeah. but guess what? You're coming back and you're going to do Sammy Zayn's obstacle course. You're going to do rock and Robin. You're going to do transgender black men as your sisters, as a punishment, instead of going, dude, Bobby Lashley's coming back. You know what we need to do out of the gate to get him up at the top. We you know what everyone was wanting. Everyone was Brock, wanting to see him. Brock Lesnar. Brock, why the fuck would you? And that shows you 100% in case study. Why, like, if it was USA Network or Fox Network, I would say we're not, we're, we're suspending all payment until you start booking the right way. Whatever you're doing, Rock and Robin with Bobby Lashley, um, you're lucky you're not being sued by NAACP, like uh, all type of different things. They're, they're lucky that the Black Lives Matter movement didn't go to Stanford and fucking light that building on fire because they have on tape almost every reason to go and do that type of yeah. shit. Like it's just absolutely brutal. And you go right down the line if you want to talk about it. I mean, I play ethnic stereotype of mine is to hit you in the face with 9-11 truth and tell you the things you don't want to hear, you know, and the conspiracy side, when they do uh, ethnic stereotype now, it's, uh, you know, it ends up <laughs> and Asuka's out there screaming in Japanese or yeah, Tozawa's yeah. a ninja. Dude, how are Asian Americans feeling about the way they're portrayed so on there? Bad, it's not bad. just the black lives stuff, dude. And then it's also the marketing bullshit of the women's evolution, which was nothing more than, Oh, a global, like, let's jump on these social trends. And right now we're back to Steph having her tits out, back to Mandy Rose, full thighs, which, hey, I'm all right with all of that. I hate all count, the, I hate all in, the PC bro. shit, bro. It's a, it's sex sells, tits and ass sells, bro. So why would we go away from this inner DNA, this primate, this sitting around the, the campfire telling these stories that have been through all of time? Man wants woman. Man doesn't want, oh, you know what? I'm going to wake up and be awoke now because the AEW told me to about Sonny Kiss and Nyla Rose. I'm going to change the sexuality that's been inside of me all the time. To, you, you're, it's, a, it's a complete recipe for disaster. Yeah, I agree. And uh, before I get to my last question about this certain section, I don't want to say this about Sonny Kiss, okay? Um, I'm a heterosexual male. I understand that he's homosexual and that's fine. Sure. What I don't understand is you're a wrestler. Why do you have to come out posing like you're Nikki Bella doing the splits on I'm, I'm arresting. You're supposed to be having a, you better fight someone. You're about to fucking fight someone. I don't want to, why would you be posing and putting your hand in the air and, Splits across the, the ropes with your crotch hanging out. What wrestling fan really wants to see that? I know. Well, I'm, let's go I back. You said that's... you're a you're a heterosexual male, but you were questioning your own sexuality looking at Sonny's ass. That's what you were trying to preface it with, and you don't <laughs> want to get there. That's the problem because they're making you feel that way. And I don't have too much of a problem with that because my mentor, the hustler Rip Rogers, worked the queer gimmick, Adrian Adonis. 
uh, you know, we can go to Billy and Chuck, which was a little bit too like, and eh, you know, that's Vince's version, but, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, right around that time too, from OVW and he Rico. Rico. Yeah. Thank you. Um, you know, so the, the gay gimmick has been there and now in AEW in 2020 is trying to blur the lines. And I did a show with Sonny kiss and I'm a, I'm a heterosexual male too, or so I think with 432 wives, but, uh, you know, the, <laughs> when Sonny kiss is walking around the locker room in those panty shorts and like, you're like, look, and you're like, cause he is very effeminate and very female and you look and there's an ass that now and you're like damn sonny got a nice ass you're like wait hold on a minute no they're like you're trying to you're trying to blur the lines in my head which is that. a great part of the work i love that here's what i can't really endorse and it's not i don't want to say endorse because it's probably who he or whatever he wants to pronoun is you know and i think sonny's cool with it because that's the gimmick that he or she's working on any given sunday but after the match, it was backstage. It was like, I don't even know if I was, but it was like a constant flame out and like, oh my God, girl. And like all that stuff, like really playing up the gay stereotype. I, I came up as a theater kid. So I've seen every stereotype in the gay rainbow of effeminate uh, heterosexual to very butch lesbian to transgender to closet big football player to, you know what I mean? Like I've seen the gambit of it. And, you know, with Sonny, I feel kind of bad for him because I don't know, maybe I shouldn't. It's like they can't turn it off backstage. Like, it always got to be on. Like, that'd be like me coming back from a match and be like, yes, infidels, everyone bow before me in the locker room. Hear me now. You know what I mean? And the locker rooms be like, what the fuck, bro? But in this SJW world, we we get girlfriend. That was the best. And, da, da, da. and I'm like, dude, you don't have to keep that kind of, it's got to be exhausting. I think yeah. to, to have to do that. But I mean, just for me, I just, I just think it's, it's okay that he's gay, but he could be an ass kicker. It could be, I'm gay, but I'm, I'm going to fucking kick your ass. Like, yeah. why does it, why does that have to be the focus? Why can't it just be, he just happens to be, they, they, they just haven't, I mean, this, you know, Sonny Kiss is pretty green. Hasn't been around that long. And, AEW isn't <laughs> the person who's running that doesn't know really how to book any archetypes either. Right. So, uh, Sonny's just going with what worked on the Indies, like right. a lot of people there are, and nobody's got Sonny kisses. Like in the beginning, it was cute with their little AEW fans, SJW as a, an affirmative action hire to go look, we're woke. Right. And it's not yeah, like yeah. Sonny can't work completely athletic. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. And, and the match I saw on the Indies was versus another transgender and it was probably the best match on the show because they didn't work hardly any of the gay gimmicks. They just went and worked back and forth. So that was a very interesting match. Where I was like, dude, what? And the, and the dude who he worked who now dresses like a woman was one of the best like coaches and workers in Rochester. So I'm sitting backstage. Here's the, the Ayatollah in full gimmick watching two transgenders tear it down in an old school Memphis style jerry lawler wrestling match that made perfect sense and neither of them were working the queer gimmick like how yeah, the good, queer right. gimmick should be worked so the crowd's right. chanting faggot back at them instead they're just wrestling like it's fucking <laughs> terry <laughs> funk and jerry lawler man and the match was great but i'm like this is the most bizarre. I, I, Trent Brett is standing right next to me i go this is the most bizarre thing i've ever fucking <laughs> been a part of <laughs> Dude. but a great match and a good person i just hope that they're happy you know in the choices yeah. that they're making because they are being exploited to some degree let's not let's you know 
for a I, reason, I, and it might be good. And I get it. And, and, and uh, you know, now that you've mentioned that, and I will get to the final question of that section in a second, but I want to mention Darren Young. Because did you look I, up Sonny Kiss on Grinder? That's what 55 Live wants to know. Are you <laughs> did you download Grinder and were you looking for no, something? No, no, I did not. But um <laughs> I remember there was a period of time where Stephanie McMahon was was tweeting about Darren Young and how he's not a homosexual character yet. We haven't thought about Oh my god. And dude. I'm like, and I was I was tweeting at Darren and I was tweeting at her, and I'm like, he already is a homosexual character, he's himself. You have not told us anything about him other than the fact he is Darren Young and he is who he is. Yeah. So he's already a homosexual character. What he a tragedy. To be a wrestler. That's all it is. He doesn't need any other element added to it. He already is what he is and he's wrestling. That's he is a homosexual character. It doesn't need to be like that could have been the very first time. What a massive crossover audience and money shot. Well, that's I mean, I want to do pun, <laughs> but, but, but money that they missed yeah. there. Because this could have been the first time that you don't need to do over-the-top drag queen. That's you don't it. need to do super effeminate. You don't need to take a straight guy and make him gay, which Vince thinks is one of the most fucking hilarious things ever. Of course he does, uh, a, he's a child. Yeah, he's, he's got a lot of sexual dysfunction. Um, there's no doubt about it. Whether it's touch, inappropriately touching his own daughter or whatever it is, you know, it's very Biden-esque. Um, but, uh, you know, the... But Darren Young, the guy, looks identical to John Cena, except yes. about three shades lighter. He's yep. not super black, so not that that's a problem. He's right in the middle, so he would cross over to white America, black America, Latinos, all would be behind it. And, and the fact that all you have to do is show him being a competitive blue-chip athlete, that's working it. baby face matches, no gay spots. And then at the end, if you really want to push it, he has a boyfriend that's just outside of the business. And you show them like, congratulate. He goes back and his boyfriend says, good job. Gives him a kiss. That's it, bro. That it doesn't need to be some big homoerotic feather boa exactly. fucking yeah. leather daddy shit. And, and the fact that they came that close to it. And then Again, this is the same as the Me Too movement, speaking out movement, why they jumped on the pussy hat stuff for the women's evolution, which is now dead in the water because we've moved on in marketing to Black Lives Matter and Antifa, yeah. which is why we have the hurt business and retribution <laughs> yeah. uh, because that's how we cash in. Um, but before that, Finn Balor, and to be honest with you, being a theater dude, and I'm not trying to, if this gets back to Finn, I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but my gaydar goes off. You know, when I, when I, with Finn, there's pictures of him and uh, Matt Bloom, like looking like the twink and the bear. He's riding around on the back of his motorcycle <laughs> together. He's yeah. in a sailor costume. He's in like all these little, and then they even did the uh, Baylor for, for everyone, right? And they yeah. had the big opening where they even had the old queers out there. They had the little kids. They had the transgender. They had the lesbian, like the, all the archetypes. And even with Sonia Deville, we get so close to it, but they didn't pull the trigger. And I'm surprised because every major corporation, I was in New York City, I just told this recently, uh, in Times Square, at that time when that Baylor Club stuff was going on there, M&M store, all gay, whatever. It didn't matter. Whatever big old Navy, it was all rainbow themed stuff. So it's not that these corporations are woke. It's the fact that it's a trend that they all agree on from Ad Age magazine and everybody's going to get 18 months of profit out of it trying to cross over into these leather audiences where wrestling... <laughs> 
<laughs> sexy men in their underwear rolling around on boots wouldn't embrace it. They'd only fly close to it and <laughs> where they should have been the flagship of pushing it forward. You know Absolutely. what I mean? Of really doing that. And you know, that they, when they have the opportunity and the stars align, they still miss. And I do not understand why or how. And then Baylor goes and gets married in private. And what happens to him? That's exactly it. And, what, what, where's um, Baylor now? Well, I mean, sent, sent to NXT <laughs> and now he's got a broken jaw. So that's the thing. Like, Oh, you're gay. We think you're gay Baylor and he might have tendencies or whatever, but then he didn't want to be the poster boy for that. So he goes and gets married on the sly. Then here comes the punishment. You didn't want, right. he, he did what? He got married. We were going to make him gay, but they know he's married now. Yeah. So guess <laughs> what? He's going to NXT. Boom. It's just like that, bro. It's just like that. I'm glad we're getting a bit of bints out tonight. Um, <laughs> so, okay. Now that we've got through that, cause well, you know, I had to take that sidebar, but um, I want to ask you what can be done to fix the creative process in WWE. Oof. Man, I mean, is is there a way to do it? Um, Obviously, Vince has to die. I don't know. I think I think Vince could repair with uh, repair his relationship with Vince Russo, and that's not just because I'm on Russo brand and I'm a firm believer of the Attitude Era, and and because I co-host with him and do a lot of business with him. I'm not just pushing for that. There's nobody else aside from guys that you don't know about the, the management of two CW, Josh Janeray and Steve King, myself. Um, obviously I vouch for Stevie any day of the week and maybe one or two others from OVW like Dr. Ted and my former writing partner, Adam revolver, AK power that really could go in there and do the work at the high level that we're talking about, which needs to be done. And that's not to disrespect a Dave Marquez or a Tommy dreamer or anybody like that, that's working at impact or doing their own thing. But if you're talking about a team of guys who aren't worried about having themselves on camera, getting over, getting every guy over creating many worlds that will eventually intersect and give you those, Oh, this is so awesome feelings again, which we can't even get close to that happening at this point. Um, those are, there's about five of us that I would say, and, you know, but to that, the stooge core has to go. Ace got to go. Uh, Bruce got to go. Uh, you know, a lot of people got to be taken out of the mix. Really, the whole creative team has to go because five guys alone, I with Stevie and Vincent, I do it alone just for Raw and SmackDown. And my team watches NXT. All three of those should be feeding each other, but they're completely disconnected. Why would you get people over in NXT, claim it's a third brand, but now they're retribution after we've conditioned you that it's Donovan Dijak, Mia Yim. It's like one thing should start there and trickle upwards, not just get them ready and call ourselves a third brand where everybody's used to it. And then over here, you're something completely different. Like that shows how disconnected they are and everything's compartmentalized. They also have phenomenal producers there from Jeremy Borash to Jimmy Paradise. Uh, a lot of guys uh, who've worked all over the place and are ex-workers and can wear a lot of hats. And you see their video packages are, they blow you away. They're so good. And then we come back to the arena and the bell rings and everyone's doing whatever the fuck they want. And it's just, it's mind-blowingly bad. And, and how do you have that with Triple H and Shawn Michaels as your agents? Like, 
I yeah. just don't understand how they're mailing it in at this point and, and upping the bar for no reason whatsoever. Uh, to fix it, those guys got to go and you got to bring in the dudes that are the diehards who haven't missed a, a day in 30, 40 years of wrestling who can make the references that your diehard audience is going to get who know how to make new characters and new stars, who know how to do dream booking, which is crossovers or nostalgia acts coming back or picking up a detail and making that into something that was dropped. I mean, how many WWE storylines can we say that were dropped that would actually be something, you know what I mean? Uh, but those guys and their egos that are there now, they just come up with, uh, that's creative license and uh, let's just get through the next pay-per-view. We'll fix it later. And then it never gets fixed. That's the yeah. excuse for their laziness, for their shitty abilities, for them not reading books to be like, you know what? I'm going to take from that. You know what? I'm going to take from, let me go back to Charlie Chaplin and three stooges. I'm going to take from that. Let me take from Abbott and Costello. Let me take from, uh, let me, you know what your job is. You're going to go watch every Clint Eastwood movie. Cause we want this guy to be more like Clint Eastwood. And then we can start who's doing that. None of them, no not a one of them, bro. And you know, to me, that's what drives me. I, I think I've watched Sopranos mm, probably 48, 49 times completely through everything shot for shot, line for line, symbolism reference to other mob movies. Like that's the level of dedication I have to this shit. And there's other people aside from me who have that too, but they are not the ones who get the shots. It's the suck holes, the old school boys club that can with a phone call, worm their way back in because they want to cut somebody else's throat to get in there. It's never about, let me get this kid over and let me make them the, let me show them something in themselves that will give them the belief that they are a great performer and a star. And then we can push them out there and push them forward. Those conversations don't even come close to happening, bro. And that's the problem. Right. Yeah. That's mind-boggling but uh you make <laughs> fucking load of sense my friend um yeah i mean if vince dies that's fine but i, I i'm not uh, in that camp of like vince has got to die for it to change because then right. what you think steph and game and shane are ready to step in and be like now we're gonna do wwe the right way do you do you see that happening if vince dies i absolutely don't I don't. I think Game's the only one I have any faith in, really, because he's the one who's been in there and done it. But uh, you know, at the end of the day, he's going to do what's best for him <laughs> instead of getting other guys. I won't say that Game's a real worker because he came through Kowalski's. He married up. He was in the clique. He knows what throat cutting's all about. He's ruined yeah. the careers of a couple of my friends who should have been up there just for the fact of who he was and he could do it. Um, and, and that's wrestling. I'm not going to hold his feet to the fire for that. But game could be a, a guy who would listen to reason if you gave him the good stuff. I don't see him saying, fuck you, just a power play when it's going to get somebody over because he's not really in the forefront right now. He is trying to do good business for what it is. And, and it I think he's been marginalized too, right out of the family. He was up there all and not. And I bet he likes it being at NXT, less pressure, just being able to do that kind of shit, not having to deal with the whole roster of egos just with kids to, to bring him up. I, I think he's probably one of the happiest spots he's ever been in aside from his WrestleMania matches. Um, but I, I got faith that he knows what the fuck he's doing. But if you're talking high level creative, that HBO level creative, 
you know, I'll Barry Horowitz myself. You're looking at the guy who can deliver it along with about four or five others who I would love to have on a booking committee because guys can convince me of shit. It happened on the impact attack this week, man. Beast came up with a thing. I'm like, dude, about follow Ba going from Ba 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 to broken English, like where now he speaks, but should he just have like gone to the next level? But now we get more of a roller coaster ride as follow Ba becomes uh, this bigger character that we get to see. Right. So I can be convinced I'm, my opinions aren't always right. And there are, it's not wrong either. There's always multiple choices to go down multiple roads, but where are they going to lead us? Let's talk them out. And yeah. does that business help somebody else's business? How can we intersect those worlds? How can they collide? How should these worlds never collide? Because that business will fuck up that business. Yeah. And you know, like those conversations cannot happen when you're rewriting the show at 3 PM on a Monday. They just can't. Absolutely. Thanks for that, my friend. Um, so the next topic I wanted to bring up was commentary. Mm. I've had a massive problem with commentary for many years to the point yeah. where I was with my, every year, me and my friends from high school, we watch WrestleMania and I don't watch raw anymore. I don't watch SmackDown anymore, but we always watch the rumble and WrestleMania. And there were so many times where I was like, man, I, I can't even watch this because the commentary is so painful and jarring to my ears. I would rather listen to this in a different language. Yeah. We used to have some great commentary teams, mm. commentary teams that made you believe what was happening to their eyes was real. Jim Ross, Jerry Lawler, Michael Cole back in the day, not later on, but back in the day, let's not get out of 99, hand. 2000. <laughs> let's not get out of hand. Let's not. Um, but I, that's I, when, he, when he commentated, you know, for Mick Foley winning the WWF title, I still believe that then, but okay. Uh, time wears on Jim Ross gets put to the side. Jonathan Coachman, John, uh, not John Grisham. That's the, uh, I can't remember the guy's name. That's how important he was. Um, yeah, Michael but, Cole Light. They're just a cookie cutter with what you're talking about. As it gets five, along. Five foot eight, dark hair. You don't man. know who's talking anymore. You've got three people on the commentary team. Their voices aren't distinct. They talk all over each other. I, As I was preparing for the James Ellsworth interview, I watched one of his matches with AJ Styles, and there was a false finish. And all three people were talking at the same time whilst the pinfall attempt was taking place. And I was like, it's fucking ruins the whole moment because no one is shutting the fuck up for a second, letting one person talk. Where did it start going wrong? Why is it wrong now? And what could be done to fix it? Uh, yeah, that's, uh, you know, Michael Cole kind of lowered the bar because he became the puppet. You can hear it. You can hear Vince in his ear. If he was to get close to the mic like that, you yeah. would be able to hear through his earpiece Vince's voice. And you can just tell that he's nothing more than a wind-up toy. And then he becomes cliche. And then the little Randy Orton out of nowhere. And like, they just become like, by that time we're dead, we're dead in the water. It's brutal. He does all the steroids, he gets jacked. And then he's back to Doughboy again. Like what, whatever they want to do with him. Uh, he, he's, he's ruined far more moments and made them far less than what they could have been with someone who would have just taken the earpiece out and been reacting. That's what a sure. They're supposed to help tell the story, give facts, give backstory for 
people tuning in. But uh, around the late 90s and whatnot, Vince and them being North, claiming to be Northeasterners and hating their Southern roots, <laughs> they just hear Jim Ross's, hey, man, and, and I don't know if you know this in Australia, but since even Civil War 1800, Northerners always think they're superior to Southerners. And as soon as we hear that Southern accent, it like you could be have an IQ of 160 and be in Mensa. If you hear, Hey man, how y'all going out there? Like, boom, <laughs> you're, you're labeled a Gomer in a Northerner's eyes. And that's what Vince doesn't ever want to be. That's why Cornette hates Russo, but Russo doesn't hate Cornette. And you know, for that same dude, it's that there that exists in America and it, and it always will. Um, so Michael Cole was an easy East coast, you know, Ken Dow pull the string and he'll say whatever you want him to say. That didn't come up in wrestling, was a war correspondent and, and whatnot and got picked up that way. Um, you know, and he's a stooge and that's fine. The, the, the business needs tons of office, office stooges. Look what he tried to do with Pat McAfee in big league at, uh, at WrestleMania where McAfee's wearing the tuxedo with shorts and, and Cole's trying to be the veteran. You better not let the boss see you. What are you wearing? Like trying to make him feel bad before he's about to go on air and fuck with his head. But Pat McAfee's a man. He tells Cole, get the fuck out of here. I'll walk out right now. And Cole doesn't, he's Cole's testing him like a wrestling <laughs> way. And McAfee's like, fuck you, you little bitch. And fucking <laughs> walks away. And then here comes Cole. No, no I didn't mean that. <laughs> like, Dude, that is, that is the, you think WWE's up here? It's like preschool backstage, bro. So to step on a, a, a little cockroach stooge like that, like it don't mean nothing to me. He's, he's really, I can't think of one match where I go, dude, Michael Cole made this match fucking awesome. It would have sucked without him or would have been less without him. Like you said, I would rather turn on the fucking Indian team or, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, Kai and Ty and let them fucking do the thing because it, it's just so cliche. And then, you know, at least Corey Graves was in the ring. Samoa Joe, obviously all the credibility there is. But even then, they don't let them talk like wrestlers and give a professional opinion. It's more Here's what's in my ear. I'm going to repeat it back. And it, he's a coward. How about when, when they were doing this bit, when they were doing the, you are my tribal uh, chief. And then all of a sudden, uh, friggin' Reigns would say it. I'm your tribal chief. And then on commentary, he's the tribal chief, the head of the table. He's the big dog. You're my tribal chief. Call me your tribal chief. Acknowledge me. The tribal chief wants to like, shut the fuck up. Yeah, it's it's Vince McMahon in their ears before production meeting. And we have these lines, coward, head of the table, big dog. And it's just the worst type of operant conditioning to drill that home. Your audience is so insulted when they do that. But these guys sit up on high in their private jet and they think they are fucking nailing it every week. But they're, all they're really doing is nailing their hand into the cross <laughs> to be crucified because they don't get it. And they won't step down to go, you know what? Let's get those two CW guys. Let's get, let's get Russo back here. I heard they're kicking around. We're thinking about going back to the attitude era. You know what that means? That means people are bringing up Vince Russo's name left and right. And he who shall not be named attitude. He, we're going to call him attitude era from now on, <laughs> you know, yeah. like that, that because of it, dude. And, and that's Bruce being fearful for his three quarters of a million dollar paycheck. And, you know, and they should be because they're not delivering where you watch Raw and SmackDown review every week on Russo brand. 
in two hours, we can punch up their show more than they can in a full week with 28 writers and have things make way more sense. How is that even humanly possible? Yeah. What needs to be done to fix the commentary situation? Uh, you got to have one guy who has no earpiece in and is just reacting. You need, uh, you do need a Michael Cole, but not at the level that he's at. Like you need somebody to toe the line of getting the story over. I want to hear Joe talk about the moves and what it's like when you get dropped on your head, when you get clothesline over the top rope. Because if Graves and him are, and, and Cole are saying it, you're not going to believe it because they don't have the footage to back it up. And Corey Graves can just be the heel and lay out and be on the heel side of commentary and make it agreeable that he agrees with what that person's it is and what they're doing. It's, it's just really getting Vince and them out of their ears and letting them react to what's going on. If Michael Cole, after 20 some odd years in WWE, can't look at the script and have a reaction to tell that story and know where his part is, as opposed to just being a, a puppet with Vince's hand up his ass, fucking moving his mouth. Yeah. We got big problems, bro. We got big problems with that. That is massive control issues that you don't trust your talent at all. I mean, by that point, he should be able to trust him. <laughs> but he can't. And, 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 that, and that shows you that they're there just for the paycheck, just the glad hand to me, yes, men, and not go, hey, dudes, let's take a look at this graph where we've lost half of our audience in four years. We've lost yeah. 1.8 million people. Yeah. These are the reasons why that we've gotten from feedback, from all the dirt sheets we've been listening to, from every little thing. Let's change. Here's 20 points that we need to change. Let's take five this month and work on those and really work on them and craft our product to be more believable, higher level, less insulting to the intelligence of our fans and paying tribute to the nostalgia and time that they've put in to want these moments uh, let's just start there and then we'll start working on let's stop putting lana through a table as punishment week five next week <laughs> we'll get to that next week and we'll check our <laughs> egos then but like they won't even start with the with the basics of what needs to be repaired on the product because they think they're doing everything right they think they're nailing it bro they they absolutely believe it insane um i before I move on to the next thing, I want to say that my biggest pet peeve of Michael Cole is when someone's making their debut and it's, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. That's, that's <laughs> like, he wouldn't God, know that kills me so much. It's so How about, let's see I, what I can't wait to see what retribution is going to do next. You can't wait to see what the terrorist organization who just ran by you with a chainsaw is going to do next. How about if they put they a spear through your heart? Is that what you're looking forward to is seeing what happens next, bro? They don't even run away. A dude ran past them with a chainsaw into the ring and they sat there. <laughs> you're fucked. I don't, I don't know what to tell you. If you can't get that reaction alone, then, then what are we doing, man? What, like it, I talk to a lot of people NXT wise too. And my staff does. And there's a bubble and the fans don't know about this. You heard Vince talk about the bubble, but when you are in it, I seen guys been in the OVW bubble for 15 years, trying to get signed, bro, for not 15, for 10, 12 years, trying to get signed and nobody knows who they are. And they're probably some of the best workers, writers, promo people in the world, in the world of wrestling. In my opinion, they might not have all the size, but they've got all the knowledge and ability 
but they're in this wrestling bubble and they won't come out and talk like this on air and make themselves a property or bury themselves because they want to play this game. WWE bubble is the same way. Um, you know, I talked to, uh, I won't say, uh, X NXT coach plenty and to hear, Oh, you think I should do that? Da, da, da. Well, when we were there, we couldn't even do this, that, or the other. They are so in the bubble that they are conditioned once they leave to go to the Indies to not do things that will get them over because that would have got them heat in WWE. And it's not because it's a bad thing to do. It's just that Vince doesn't want anybody looking at the camera. He doesn't want this, that, or the other. So you're thinking about all these things and you're out of your performance. And it's a, if I did this, I'm going to be punished. And I'm (laughs) instead of dude, I'm in the ring. This is my time. I know right where the fuck I'm supposed to be. I know who my character is and nobody here can tell me anything. I'll go to the back and ask Shawn Michaels in game. How was that? And if they told me all oh, the Garvin stomp was good, but you could have done a little bit more character in between each stomp. I'll take <laughs> that note and apply it, but I'm not going to be like, oh, oh, I looked at the camera, dude. After the end of my match, when I camel clutch you and throw you down, I'm going to look right in the camera and go, that's for you infidels. And don't think I won't do the same. Like, you know what I mean? Don't yeah. tell me. If I have a moment like that, what I can and can't do as a performer, because if you if I don't do that now, I look like every other asshole who's in the other six matches who are doing the same finish. Oh, kick out. Look at the camera. Oh, I can't believe I didn't beat him. Hit the mat. Get up. Go for your finish. Reverse. Up he goes. And then we come into it. It's just like the same bullshit. You want to go to the circus and watch the high wire act 15 times in a row? No, you want to watch the high wire act. You want to watch the lion. You want to watch the strong man. You want to watch the bear on the fucking bicycle. Instead, everybody dives. Everybody has to cut a promo. Everybody has to do hit my music and do a run in. Like, so what you went out to the production truck and coordinated your run in with Kevin Dunn to be a surprise. So you could get just nothing real, nothing real. And that is what living the, the worst one is, is, I'm going to come in, beat the fuck out of you, (laughs) hit you with a chair, Bailey. And then I'm going to run to the top of the ramp. You stay in the ring 40 feet away from me and don't pursue. You just go, how dare you? There's nothing but air and opportunity in that 40 feet. If you just fuck me up or my friend up, I'm coming after you. You better be headed for your car and it better be running. Because if you get there and the door's not closed, I'm going to rip you out of it and beat the shit out of you. And why not show us that? Why not show us the, there is no invisible force field, but these are the WWE bubble rules that make zero sense that insult your audience and your performers intelligence. And then your commentary team has to put it over like it's normal (laughs) when everybody looks like a fucking idiot. Yeah. So everybody's Mia culpa in, in not standing up for it. And why wouldn't a Drew McIntyre or somebody else who's done that same spot, air an opportunity, 40 feet between you, go to the back or even before go, dude, I'm not doing, I'm not standing there like an idiot. I'm going to chase him out to his car. Where are they going to go? No, you're not. You're going to stand there. Well, I'm going to, but guess what? You're all stupid because that's fucking dumb. And why not? Who's going to tell Drew, fuck you after he's champ on that? They might take the belt off him, but at least they learned a lesson that day. Would you rather come back and not be champ and be able to do good creative because belts are just props? Or would you, do you want to play this game? And yes, sir. And I'm the champ and I get to do all this stuff. But meanwhile, it all looks like trash. I'd way rather stand up for my business, take the chance of getting fired and do something that means something that'll stand out from everybody else's little wind up toy bullshit, bro. Yeah, preaching to the choir, bro. I completely jive with what you're saying. <laughs> um, I need 
a 30 second break to go to the toilet. Yeah, man, go get it done. I got it. I'll be back in a minute. We'll edit this bit out. Why? Leave it in here. Fuck it. <laughs> well, well, while I'm gone, <laughs> tell everyone about the $5 face slap. Oh, yeah, man. $5 face slaps. Uh, if you don't know and you're down under, maybe I'll uh, come down there. I'm not sure what the exchange rate is, but I'd uh, be happy to, to give you guys one. Uh, for those who don't know, you can go to my YouTube channel, Ben Hameen, and just type in $5 face slap. Uh, I think... I think we're up to 47 real slaps and then people have paid for digital slaps, which I don't really count. Uh, I mean, are we 49, 49, maybe. So as a heel, you really shouldn't go out and do merchandise, but got to make money. And I also like to get my heat. So if I'm not, if I'm on early in the show, I'll usually go do merch. If I'm not, I like to protect my character. If I'm in the semi main or whatever, I'm not going to go out just to sell a couple t-shirts, whatever. But, uh, started as a carnival barker thing where I would just tell people when they're walking by a fat guy or a bald guy or some, you know, some of you tape trader masturbators out there. I'd be like, $5, no more jerking off. You'll go out, get a job. You'll run a 5k tomorrow. You'll get a full head of hair. One $5 face slap, just a little something to, to dig at them for what you can see appearance wise. And then I'll usually hit on their wives and say that you'll be my wife. What are your skills in the bedroom and in the kitchen? Yes. Tell me now. Uh, you know, so Ben Hameen is the ladies man. And at the same time, trying to pull your wife while he's insulting you. So uh, that was the origin of it. And then these, uh, you know, team never touched a titty club came up and started <laughs> testing me and, uh, and put down $5. So now I slap people across their face uh, in the name of Mohammed. Uh, hopefully I asked them, what would you like to improve in your life? Uh, you know, because they need that face slap to get out of the blocks. And then, I get it on camera. They give me $5 and I slap the shit out of them. So uh, it was really just a carnival barker thing where they started to test me and then it started to catch fire of the $5 face slap. So uh, maybe, and I think a lot of people in this world need one. My dad would go upside my fucking head and he had hands of stone. You may, if you ever been slapped in the face, you know, that big thumping feeling where you can feel your heart and your face gets all blown out. Some of us need that in our lives once in a while to get our shit together. You know, they're doing it for the viral video wise, but maybe uh, we all need a little proverbial $5 face slap every day. Myself <laughs> well, included. I'm hoping at the end of this interview, I can get a COVID friendly five little face slap. <laughs> well, it's not going to be, it's going to be the COVID clutch from now on before I, I'm going to hook the arms on there. I'm going to lick both of my hands and then put the hooks in. So I make sure I get spit my spit right into my opponent's mouth and it'll be a bio attack as well as a submission. <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> um, the next topic I wanted to bring up, and there's a couple more to go. Sure. Um, tag teams. Hmm tag teams the tag team thing has uh gone from what once was the, i mean as far as i'm concerned the last golden era of tag team wrestling as it pertains to wwe is that nice little spot we had in 99 2000 with the headbangers and two cool the hardys edge and christian the dudleys the apa uh, Al Snow and Steve Blackman. You can just keep naming them. There was at least 10, 11 tag teams, Kai and Ty, over and over again. The Main Street Posse. How do you feel about them? Fantastic characters, fantastic performers. Sure. So many tag teams at one stage. Then as time wore on, tag teams become thrown together guys. And the only teams over the years that really seem to have stuck together for a long period of time of the new day and 
Usos. Everyone else seems to just have their run. Like, let's think about the Basham brothers. Great little run that they had on SmackDown. Then they have the draft and they split them up. They don't put them on TV and then they get released. Seemed to happen quite a lot. Once again, why did it go bad? Why is it shit now? And what can be done to fix it, Finn? Very good question. Uh, I love tag team wrestling. It's where I started and what Rip Rogers teaches us first, because it's the hardest and most involved point of wrestling to do. Once you can do hot tags, false tags, tell the story the right way, do the draw, the ref draw, a bunch of things that you can't do in regular matches, you'll be able to do those things in a regular match if you need to. So uh, I'm always going to have a soft spot in my heart for tag team wrestling as the best wrestling, as far as I'm concerned, because there's a lot more knowledge involved with it. And there's a lot more timing involved with it to do it. And when it's done right, it's one of the most beautiful uh, parts of the performance art, as far as I'm concerned. And uh, all those teams you mentioned, absolutely. I love it. And all those guys were a different flavor in the Baskin Robbins 31 flavors, weren't they? And now we, now we get thrown together, mixed tags, Ziggler Rudes, uh, Rude, Shorty G, uh, whatever. Nothing means nothing. Right. Yeah. And those guys know how to wrestle. And, and meanwhile, here's Rude. Where the fuck is James Storm? <laughs> Give me beer money. You we know, want I mean, it. Get- that's what we want. It's like Lashley and Lesnar. We want the fucking shit. Just give it to us. Just fucking do it. And they won't. Um, for they their own ego reason. They didn't come no, up with no. it, Ben. Fuck you got it, brother. Um, you know, that and... Uh, I love the Hart Foundation. I loved. Uh, I love the Stable Wars, Nation of Domination. Obviously, uh, you know Pillman and Bulldog and Brett and Owen were phenomenal. All that stuff was great, and it, it could be patriotic. And we have that with the Hurt business right now, but they won't pull the trigger on that kind of stuff and really go. They'll let Keith Lee come out with BLM because they won't walk that line of like telling a guy that he can't do it. But Keith Lee's not toting a Black Lives Matter message. He's just got the letters on his back give me an updated nation of domination, black Panther party, or not even that. Give me what uh, MVP was originally doing, which was show me the money, Jerry Maguire, where he's taking properties and showing them, look, you you don't need to do rock and Robin, bro. You should be in the event. Now we're just in some bolt. Like it was hot there in the beginning when they let MVP just talk and improvise and know what he was doing. And they trusted him. And then once it started getting over, control we need control of this we got to get it over mvp's getting over you guys we got to get it's i we did it we i i came up with this right i did it no (laughs) no you being an old white man and having control of it is what kills mvp's coolness and now it's dead in the water it's complete bullshit at raw underground it's a underground fighting league like fight club but it's not and now it's gone four weeks on tv and we're gonna have to restart it all over again if possible and it's shame when did you see dana white run into a uh ufc ring going oh oh shit oh shit never never and that's what we're supposed to believe this is they could fuck up a wet dream over there bro i'm telling you (laughs) so so when it comes to tag team wrestling they're not even working towards a hot tag or having guys underneath uh you know the girls are so dangerous they're so just going through the motions of what they learned in nxt whether it's the 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 iconics got better this year but in the beginning bro it was who's gonna die in this match you know what i mean every time 
Um, and I'm not really too hooked on women's tag wrestling anyway, so it's not really a, a big well, thing. They, but they never, they the, never like set the uh, table correctly before that no, even happened because there were not any teams other than the Iconics and other thrown together teams. Like, yeah. <laughs> and we got TVG stuff with Street Profits and the Vikings. Hottest show on TV, one of the hottest ones, Vikings, right? And instead, they take Warbeard Hansen and, the, and his partner off the Indies who were killers. They change their name four times in the first year. They have guys, they have them fighting ninjas and doing this shit. Dude, go watch the show, Vikings. Like, that show's awesome. All those dudes who are real Viking Raiders and would have been killers, like, they sh why didn't why wouldn't they go that hardcore route with them instead it's the stephanie and uh triple h and shane and his wife our parents and vince is a grandparent so we're gonna water it all down bro yeah, it's all going to a third grade level and the street profits guess what you're gonna get out there and shuck and jive boys you can't be empowered black men in 2020 you have to be the same coonery that we're doing with new day and look at new day a feminized to take the black man and make him wear pink and baby blue biggie licking the top of a fucking ice cream thing like just a lot of like what are you doing and why are you doing it man yeah. um and they didn't stand up and they got over no doubt for the little kids and whatnot but dude if you're a 40 year old man is that something that fucking appeals to you and like you're like where is my powers of pain where is my legion of doom where yes. is my demolition? Where yeah. is my heart foundation? Guys who are tag teams for a decade and show you they had FTR and the Good Brothers, the OC, didn't do fuck all with fuck you. So the, the, the art of tag team wrestling is pretty much dead, except for in, in, in WWE. Impact, you got the Deaners doing great fucking stuff there. FTR does good stuff. The Young Bucks, no matter how you feel one way or another. But these are established tag teams that will be together and stand the test of time, you know. WWE isn't even thinking on that level, nor is there anybody on the indies or any place else that they're going to bring up that's an established tag team that's going to get over that way right now. So they are double and triple fucked when it comes to having a solid tag division like it was in that golden era, 87 through 95 really even though we went through a lot of shitty stuff in the early 90s the tag teams are what really held it together no matter if it was mosh and thrasher or whoever else doing a little bit silly gimmick you know what i mean but uh yeah dude it breaks my heart because tag team wrestling the, the can get the crowd into it more than anything else instead now we get shitty six matches that are thrown together storylines where these three randos will take on a tag team and another baby face and then we'll get a shitty 10 man to do something. And none of those have any real stakes towards a belt or being the best tag team champions of all time, you know? And I, I still think they can draw money. I mean, the Hardy boys, I mean, Matt, I don't need to see Matt wrestle anymore, dude. He's so good at character. I, his well, body's I mean, so I mean, I meant 1999 Hardy boys. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That I mean, I'm I'm just saying, like it's proven that if you get behind a tag team that is obviously getting over with the crowd, then it, you can make some money out of that. So you can keep doing that as again rehash shit. You know, take stuff from the past and keep keep going, and eventually, you know, you can keep tag team wrestling as 
I can't think of the word and uh, you know, it's getting late here. So if I, my brain well, you can keep it as a feature. I think I get what you're saying. Yeah, so the answer, the answer to the solution is, is you got to take guys in the beginning of NXT, get them together and build them as your tag team to establish. And they're going to the main roster as yeah. a tag team. Dab, like, put Dabakato and whoever big dude, right? They could have done this with AOP. And they run yes, through NXT and then they, they get up there and then they run it that way. AOP versus FTR could have got over. They yeah. really, and, and AOP would have learned a ton from FTR and FTR would have been able to protect AOP and cover up their greenness and inconsistencies with good, solid, fundamental wrestling and hot tags because it would be believable that AOP could cut FTR off from their partner with size and power. And those guys would have to out wrestle them just to get that tag. Boom. Believe me when it comes in and old boy comes off the top rope with a double clothesline and takes out both of AOP and they're down hot shot, dude. Everybody's going to be pumped at that time after they worked heat on dash the whole time and Dawson tags in, but we don't get any of that. And it's simple for AOP to work heat. It's like me and Kong tag in i glom them kong comes in gloms them beats him up for a second tags me in we both grab him give him a double headbutt dude sits on his ass i stomp him out for two seconds tag kong back in kong runs gives him the front flip into the corner guys in our corner right he's reaching every time we're not doing anything sexy we're just big ugly bastards beating on the technical wrestler that's all aop was they don't got to do nothing sexy bro and yeah. then once we find, once he finally sneaks through Kong's legs and fucking tags, and this is what I plan to do with Cody Diener and Jake anyway, <laughs> and then fucking Cody comes in and kills us all, you know, like that's, we're not getting any of that. We're not getting, yeah. and AOP would have gotten so much better by learning in ring, doing that kind of stuff. But instead you're with the Messiah you're, you're back up and then you're fired. Thanks guys. Yeah. Such a shame. But um, <laughs> tag team wrestling. Once you want to talk a great tag team important. that's a shame. My my buddy, uh, a good friend of mine, APOC, uh, Rick Victor, the Ascension. Those are two guys. There was tons of money, tons of money shame, right now, bro. Tons. How, how can you be such a hot act in one part of the company, then be brought up, be made to do something dumb, and then you're punished for something that was written night one they you by them. someone else. You remember what they had him do night one on the main roster? Yeah, shit on the road warriors and all that. Why the fuck would you not just put Animal with them and have Animal come out and get them over? Fucking perfect, right? Just dumb as dumb can be, bro. Who thought it was going to be a... And and maybe that's them with the years, two decades of heat with Legion of Doom. You're going to go out there. People are going to say they look like Legion of Doom. Go out there and shit on Legion of Doom. I hate those fuckers. Like, and then they go out and do what they're told instead of getting the rub night one in a torch pass to fucking put it forward dude nobody is thinking anything dude. it's that, right. that kills me all right the next topic look that there are a few more and we've talked right, about man. so far and i hope that you, you it's you only 11 20 in the morning here for me you're the one who's up late uh well, you know what 11 <laughs> 20 at night's pretty easy to go for me i mean i'm in the russo's brand fan group so i'm, I'm used to being up early dealing with drama um Managers, Ben. Managers. Yeah. The art of the manager has been sure. dead a long time, and I'm not mm. even going to include Paul Heyman in all, all of that, right? Because it's the only one that's going that seems to be going today. But 
Well, Paulie manages guys where he doesn't have to. Paulie's a heel, but he doesn't have to do heel things, so it's kind of fucked. Yeah. He's just says well, Paulie never helps guys with a finish, you know, or anything like no, that. He doesn't he, get involved at all, but at least Paul Bearer fucking got involved. Um, so the last time I remember as a fan, managers meaning anything was Paul Bearer in the Ministry of Darkness, and uh, mm-hmm. but he still didn't really cut many promos. Um, after that, mm, I can't fucking really think of anyone that fucking meant anything. But when we're talking about the 80s and we're talking about all those guys, Bobby Heenan and Freddie Blassie, and mm-hmm. there's so many, you know. Jimmy Hart. The Grand Wizard. You know, it's just, fuck, man. Like, there, there were so many guys and so many guys on the roster who couldn't talk had someone there for them. When did it go wrong? Why is it still going wrong today? And what can be done to fix it? They wanted to make in that same 2006 era. I remember this because they were worried it was going to hurt me. Because I, I, if you go back and watch all my early stuff when I was just training, coming from improv, I was Ben Hameen, the manager of the insurgency. So management is where I started. So I definitely have watched, you know, and Heenan was one of my all-time favorites. So I've watched every little bit of everybody and whatever the jump up misdirection spot is or the payoff or what have you with the manager, you know, I've studied closely and it is sad, but I think that's them going, we want to get away from the eighties part of it and uh, you know, make it like a real competition. If you had an agent or a manager and you're uh, in a boxing match, he's not sitting right there at ringside or, you know, along those lines. So they, they convince themselves of that, but really what you're taking away is emotion. And that's the most important thing that we have as performers is the emotional connection, whether it's an emotion to, uh, yeah, this guy won and he's the baby face manager and Arnold, Arnold Skolin just raises his hand as a good coach, or it's Bobby Heenan slide dukes, the guy, the, the gimmick, and he hits him with it and God damn it. Heenan, he, he cheated and all the ref, he cheated. No, no, no. He didn't do nothing. You know, building that heat for his guys to the moment where the baby face finally gets his hands on Heenan. Now in that, there is an argument and I had this with my guys that, cause I started to outshine them a little bit because they weren't speaking and people wanted the heat to pay off on me. Well, that takes away from your performers a little bit. And there's a right. fine line. Of, there's a fine line of outshining your performers, the Heenan family, even though made up of <laughs> the biggest stars in history was about Heenan and, and deservedly. So he's the fucking in my opinion, he's the greatest uh, sports entertainer in the history of the planet. People might say The Rock, Stone Cold, Bobby Heenan's the fucking best, as far as I'm concerned, dude. You could do everything. Um, uh, you know, and and I wish there were more. There's there's a lot of guys who are good managers on the indies and whatnot who could be good mouthpieces or bringing back dudes who are legends to impart that wisdom. That's another. I believable always thought thing. that man. I always thought there were so many guys that couldn't wrestle anymore, but they still had something to give. They had that microphone skill. Like when and, Edge and, retired, I always thought Edge could have been a great fucking manager. Yeah, I think so too. And I think uh, MVP had the opportunity and they've effed it up. Tully on AEW is there with Spears and with uh, FTR but he's not really getting the opportunity to do that. They're still speaking and he's just kind of like the mastermind of, you know, a wrestling veteran mind that's with them. Arn's over there, Jake Roberts too. So AEW is doing that the right way. I At think they, they are. are. At least they're like trying to get that art back into right. wrestling. 
some of the content might not be there, but the idea is there, right? So at least, at least yeah. Right. So we're we're at least a mile ahead that way. But, uh, <laughs> uh, it's it's about um, putting together somebody who can you know, help that younger generation to help them get the win, to, to make a baby face into a heel who, whose manager forces them to use the weapon, boom, and they get away with it. And he gets the win that way. Now we have conflict, emotion. We have all heels or uh, the good feeling baby face coach, you know, uh, Teddy Long, you know, I don't ever looked at Teddy Long was like, fuck this guy, you know, except for when he maybe was uh, managing uh, in WCW, you know, but like, these extra personalities on the outside, if a guy's got to be super serious is nice because that gives him a voice where he doesn't have to break and kill his heat. This guy over here can help add to it and help and pump him up. Paulie does, you know, kind of cookie cutter now, but when it was first with Brock, it seemed way more important. You know what I mean? Uh, With him being there. So it does break my heart that there is no personality like a Heenan, but the point is, is they don't want anybody outshining their performers, but they also don't want their performers to get over on their own. So like, here we are just another (laughs) two levels below, even getting to like ground level to start the Ascension. You know what I mean? You're just digging out of a hole every time. And there's so many people, Keith Lee could absolutely use a mouthpiece, bro, because this, whatever he's doing, Captain Kirk, where I have to have a match tonight. I am quite sure I will be victorious. <laughs> like, that's got to go. Like, fucking Ron Simmons, bring him back. You know, they, well, up. weren't they going to do these fucking dudes? Weren't they going to do, they, they kind of teased it with, they had Ron Simmons backstage talking to the uh, Hurt Business dudes. And you thought a new nation of domination was going to, then they had Mark Henry backstage saying something and i'm thinking wow, to myself are they gonna really so. <laughs> yeah are they gonna really push this black lives matter movement where it's be empowered young black man and let's have a message to our young african-american viewers at home of positivity of working hard of don't uh buy into media hype and but watch your back at the same time because the streets are hot right now we could have done all that in a positive social justice message with mark henry and farouk kind of leading those guys and mvp but again just like the finn baylor gay stuff they come so close to scratching it and then they back right off when the nostalgia of nation of domination is there combined with the new black lives matter movement dude that is a creative goal that is a, a a feast for a true creative to like come up with awesome ideas for and they just won't pull the trigger because they're it too would draw me back in it would draw me back in if there was like a bit of a play on that shit like i'd be fuck, like I wrestling I like, is supposed to wrestling is supposed to parody and echo reality right so if everything that we're turning on and we see is uh, the reality that we all have is a shared concept but then we go away from it. It, it, it leaves you like, ah, where I see where they're going, but they're not doing it. So now I feel incomplete. And that's the last thing we want uh, of a feeling of our audience to feel incomplete or confused on an angle. That's exact. We want to draw these stories out and make it clear and concise and shine the light on the business the right way to further the storyline in a weekly episodic fashion where we, take you on the roller coaster or we do an ascension or a descension of a character, but 
again, they had it written all week long, three in the afternoon. No, we're not going Black Lives Matter today. We're just going to rewrite uh, Mark Henry. He's going to say, good job, boys, and that'll be it. That's it. <laughs> all right. Well, the next subject that I had was babyface champions. I've always felt that they have completely fucked up, and I don't know how to book babyface heavyweight mm. champions. Uh, they had Austin who acted like a heel, but he went after the heels. Mm-hmm. Rock was a bit of a prick, to be honest. Even when he was a baby face, he was still a bit of a prick. And that was still popular. But then it got to this era right now where they're baby face champions. And I want to bring up Seamus. And, and, and this isn't about him being a baby face champion, though. It's about him being king of the ring. It's about him being a badass heel. It's about him feuding with John Morrison and kicking his fucking head off every week. All of a sudden, he started getting popular because he was being a fucking badass. Then they turned him babyface, and now he has to be fella and be try to be funny all the time. And he can't just continue to be the badass that got him popular. He now has to do this hokey shit. And the same thing happened with Seth Rollins. I thought Seth Rollins, when he was a uh, heel champion with the authority, I thought that was a pretty cool thing. But then he was the babyface champion, pandering to the fans, and it's just so lame to me. It feels like they've never been able to really make the babyface face of the company, champion of the company, cool. What the fuck are they doing wrong with babyface champions? Uh, show don't tell. It's always smarter to put your belt on a heel because now I'm the, I'm the dragon. I am the mythical evil that needs to be beaten. Now you watch me beat two or three nights and that gets smoked. Right. And you're like, wow, this guy's badass and, and whatnot. And he did it in a heel way. Now we want the, we can, we need the call for the white knight to come from the next kingdom over. Right. And here he comes to, to do that. And, but we don't have any big beasts at the top of the mountain. That's the show don't tell that makes a baby face his ascension to overthrow. That's what's important. Once they're on top and have the belt, that's the hardest part to keep them cool and whatnot. So what do you do? You don't have them come out there and go, I'm the best. I'm the this. I'm the champ. And I'm the PR guy now. It all has to be situation based where he has the opportunity to show that he's a good guy based off of how the, how a heel, even as a non-champ sets up the heat Hulk Hogan with macho man, Elizabeth, right? Like we see macho doing dirty things, whatever he walks off. Hogan has the opportunity to pick her up and look and be emotional and carry Liz to the back. Right. That is show. Don't tell. That's not Hulk Hogan going macho man, brother. Why did he can do that later and question him? Why are you doing this right now? Laying Liz out here. That's not a good, like if we just start going into it in an argument of back and forth and I'm this, that, and the other fuck you, bro. Like just show me him doing heroic things, doing the, making the hard choice, laying down the belt, and putting the belt on the line. And when he's forced into a situation for a moral clause versus, you know, being the face of the company, he makes a right choice. That's what makes a baby face. Not I'm telling you that I am. So the, the prep, what the answer your question is they don't set up premises for show. Don't tell. They just do tell, tell. 
Yeah. They just do telltale. And it don't work. <laughs> it's just like, you know, Drew McIntyre. I, I, I had the highest. I mean, obviously the situation we're in right now isn't the most ideal because we're not in front of an audience. But I had the highest hopes for him uh, because I really felt like this guy looks like a million bucks. This guy could be the babyface champion that we were looking for. We're kind of getting sick of the Roman Reigns thing being recycled and him mm-hmm. having his uh, crowning moment again, beating this guy and having the Roman er- Empire begin again. It was, it was nice to see someone else get their moment. But immediately from day one, I was like, they're not doing it correctly. And I'm worried that they're going to ruin him like they've ruined Seth as babyface champion. Like they've, as far as I'm concerned, they ruined. Well, him I don't think Seth had the goods. I don't think Seth has the goods in training that that uh, he does now. He's coming around. I think the Dominic stuff with Ray has been Seth's best thing I've ever seen him do, and I've I've shit on a lot of his stuff. But uh, you know the, the the answer is it's it's yin and yang to me. There has to be a balance to the force. Luke Skywalker, Darth Vader, or whatever you want to say, right? So it's not about Drew coming out with rick flair and sean and being like remember remember when we drank beers together mate that was it right there yeah we had a lot of road miles together like the the crowd at home is going big fucking deal bro you know what is the yin and yang that if he's fighting randy orton and orton takes those guys out whatever that was clowny as shit but like what can orton do that is going to incite a situation for Drew to shine or for Orton to go over on Drew in that, that's going to allow us that, uh, you know, is there, is there something, what does Drew hold close that Orton can get to him on and pluck those heartstrings? We're not getting to any of that kind of stuff. Um, I thought one thing they could have done is um, gone back where they're trying to make him all virtuous and whatnot and gone back and talked about uh, Drew's first marriage to, I can't remember her name. She was in WWE briefly too. And he called the cop, she called the cops on him or something like, let's get into some reality shit because that's how Orton would really work it of like trying to get into his head. You know what I mean? Along those lines. And why not bring Drew's ex Drew's remarried now? Why not bring Drew's ex-wife out if we had non-time of COVID and have her sitting right there at ringside to distract. And he doesn't even need to do nothing. You know what I mean? Like she walks him down and, and he has her sit right there and Drew didn't know she was coming. Now Drew's out of his element a little bit and he's looking over waiting that RKO can come out of nowhere. Some show don't tell of why you're here and along those lines and the real mind games of what could have been instead. It's just, you know, Go put on night vision and knock out the guys. Oh, it's not night vision. It's a it's a welding helmet, which would have made it darker. But <laughs> like, we don't have time for that. God damn it. You know, like, uh, <laughs> regardless, uh, like, they're not doing anything to yin and yang, good and evil, in setting up a show-don't-tell scenario. You can't go out there as a baby face and just say you're bad as fuck. You have to show it. Understood. Um, the next topic I wanted to bring up was OVW versus NXT. Uh, the bringing up of OVW talent, as far as I'm concerned, was way more successful than the way that they bring up NXT talent. Mm. Um, I there's not a how this went wrong kind of. I, no, there is actually. You know, how did <laughs> how does it go wrong with NXT? But how did it not go wrong with 
back in the day, 2002-ish, you know, with OVW. Why was it successful then? And why is it so unsuccessful now? Um, you had a lot of less bruise, bruisable egos. You had people who have come from the eighties and they remember that shit from the fifties and sixties that their parents hard knocked life, whatever, right? Some value system has changed, but that's not what I want to blame it on. Um, so if Rip is calling you a cunt and a cocksucker and you're a fat, lazy bastard, which you would call me all the time and you called Randy Orton that too. <laughs> so I'm in, I'm in good shape, right? Uh, uh, good, good company. Me and Orton are neck and neck. Um, but, you know, it's those types of things that Rocky, Mickey coaching, if you can't fucking take that and, and take the pearls of wisdom and apply them, if all you're hearing is you're, you're a stupid fucker and like you can't go, you know what? I am a stupid fucker and I need to listen and learn. If you're like, how dare he call me that when I'm paying for lessons? <laughs> like, you know, if, if you're that yeah. fragile, you shouldn't be in this business. You really yeah. shouldn't. You shouldn't be in the entertainment business at all because you're going to be, and a lot of guys can't hack it, man. On, uh, you know, suicides, pills, whatever. They just aren't built for it. So um, when it comes to OVW, Danny Davis, Rip Rogers, Al Snow, Robert Gibson uh, training there, uh, Nick Dinsmore, Matt Capitelli, Joy Mercury. I mean, phenomenal minds I was able to learn from. Um, then Triple H and Sean showed up. What was it? 2007, 2000, 2008. Triple H goes, OVW will always be a part of WWE. Look at how many people they put here. Uh, and then six weeks later, <laughs> <laughs> the contract was done uh, that day. That day, um, Steve Kern came in and took 360 degree pictures of uh, Davis Arena. I knew, I knew the writing was on the wall. Um, they opened. Uh, so Kern and Johnny Ace uh, backstabbed Danny Davis and them, and convinced Triple H, get Triple H and Sean and their team to convince Vince that they will open FCW. I think it was a quarter million dollars. And that they will supply, they'll be the new feeder that way. And they'll have the inside stooge that they didn't have the power over Danny. That's the thing. So is Kern, is Kern and Johnny Ace uh, as good a trainer as Rip and Al and Danny? Fuck no. But then they did have Dr. Tom who is behind Rip, right neck and neck with Rip. You could say the best trainers on the planet. Um, you know, and, and they, they're letting guys go. <laughs> they're letting uh, Ethan page go, Brian cage, go Eli Drake, go like, this just shows how fucking stupid they let they Brian are. cage go. Really? Fuck. Okay. Yep. Dumb as fuck. He tagged with Eli Drake and <laughs> they let him go. Uh, so that this, and there's, there's tons more that I can name, but that was the upper echelon of office stooges, stabbing each other in the back trying to get over with wwe and fucking up developmental they were running these towns in florida like ovw runs kentucky and indiana and ohio and this is when seth you heard seth and them they didn't have to know what it was like to be on street team like seth paid his dues going to the fucking whatever <laughs> backwoods florida thing having to hang posters like that was the toughest thing seth had to do and he still bitches about it um, i've never watched the uh documentary on that show. oh I'm brutal I, dude, I just wanted to punch him i in know the throat. it's going to be painful for me to watch so, <laughs> so um 
you know, FCW is going to be a failed experiment because it's run by snakes who haven't done this before where OVW has been established and delivered multiple times. Right. Yeah. So it's all really, the snakes are biting the snakes, but then at the end of the day, Vince and triple H probably had a meeting that went something along the lines of, yeah, I don't fucking trust them either, but fuck it. If they want to pay for it and bring it down here to Florida, let's do it. And then if worse comes to worse, we'll just start our own thing off of that. And we got it all in house. That way we don't got to deal with Danny and them. And then yeah. these fucking guys, we get, that's the meeting that these are the cold blooded meetings that go down, bro. All the time. I have them every week myself, um, you know, of how to snake people out of stuff. And then FCW closes they can put the heat on Kern. Johnny Ace kisses ass to stay in the office. And then we're off to the races with uh, NXT and, and going that way. Now it's a whole performance center with full sale. I think all that's great stuff. But if you don't have that rocky level of Mickey coach and a Rip Rogers telling you that you think you're over, you ain't over. Because now there's, they're going, NXT's the third brand, and we're all over. Oh, really? You're over? How much do you make compared to main roster people? Are you yeah. still making your $750 a week? Or are you making your $7,500 a week with pay-per-view bonuses? So they're lying to them. They're working their workers there. And those workers are kids from the indies who are just happy to have a property of NXT t-shirt on and have Triple H point at them in a goddamn picture. <laughs> That's enough for them to mark out and then – be part of the system. You'll get in line. You'll do this, that, and the other. And there was plenty of that at OVW when, uh, you know, you were going to get called up and guys were getting called up and the political game was merciless there. Actually, that's what OVW prepares you for more than anything. Sure. You learn the wrestling, you learn the psychology, the humbleness, how to work a crowd, but it was getting you ready to deal with Shawn Michaels and triple H. The politics at OVW were pretty serious. Like, and it was all guys cutting each other's throats just to get ready to go up there to play that game. It was nothing personal really between that, but that's the, the crazy level that things operate at instead of just being a cast, a family and saying, I'm going to heighten your performance and you're going to heighten mine. And I got your best interest. And that's after WWE left and I got the book at OVW. That's exactly what I implemented. And it was some of the best creative I think that's ever been done there. And it's still, some of my and and powers model and, and man beast that I taught them from improv still echoes through that. It, it, we did, we were able to change something. So I know if I can crack through the shell of WWE and get to that number two spot and implement that, the, the ripple effect will be felt for decades. If I was able to train wrestlers as professional improvisers for a minimum of two years, they need, it takes that long. Uh, to, to learn it and how to, to really be great at it. Then we could get back to 1987. Then we could get back to promos. Then we could get back to announcers who are in the moment and not trying to create something that is forced on your audience where we'd have a shared experience together, emotional laughter, sadness, uh, hype, anger, but when it's all manufactured and scripted with the words cowards and locusts of destruction, we're fucked. We're fucked in the water, bro, right there. Absolutely. I completely jive with that. Um. <laughs> Dude, I got, I, got a, I got a kid over. You can go look this up on my YouTube, Ben Hameen. Just type in Lumpy Magoo. Uh, I've talked about him before. He was only a student, and I, we're still looking for him. There's a $1,000 ransom on Lumpy Magoo's head. We think he's in Iowa someplace because no one can find him. He was green as could be. He came out with a Pee Wee Herman bow tie on, blonde hair, tall, skinny kid. I have him 
checkered plaid shirt, pants on, and big red Ronald McDonald boots. And he talked like Mickey Mouse. Hi, you guys. It's me, Lumpy Magoo. I'm here to interview you. And then he'd interview the Indians. He'd interview the Iraqis. He'd interview the black guys. And he'd say the exact wrong thing to them, innocently enough. You know what I mean? And then they'd kill him. They'd kill him in the ring and leave Lumpy laying. I did that for like six, eight weeks. And then the crowd starts to like Lumpy Magoo. They know the game. They're conditioned to it. They want to, and Lumpy never got any offense on anybody. If he, he would get a backdrop on somebody, but that's because he had to bend over and tie his shoe and they'd run at him and he'd stand up and he'd be like, <laughs> what the hell? And the other guy would run in and he'd turn around and he'd back elbow the guy and he'd go, Oh no, I didn't mean to hurt you. And he'd have emotion about it. Now yeah. in DCW, you got to be in the main event by selling tickets, right? Because that's how it was the student show and we're gradually going up. We got Lumpy Magoo so over that because when you buy tickets from your favorite star, they get to be in the main event. 120 people are buying tickets from Lumpy. No one else can sell one, two tickets at a time. And the minimum was five to be on a show. So the creative got that guy so over that the people wanted to see him in the main event doing nothing and turned him babyface after saying all of like, you know, the backhanded racist stuff that he shouldn't have said in some cute way. I put him with the black guys, the grape drink connection. Those guys I took right from Popeye. I gave them a gallon of grape drink, sugar water, a dollar at the store, right? When they drink it, it's like Popeye. They hulk up and beat the shit out of them. Lumpy drank that shit for the first time. He starts going like Curly from the Three Stooges. He comes in, delivered one slam, scoop slam, first real offense. Boom. That fucking crowd came off their feet, bro, for a student that talks like Mickey Mouse, that looks like Pee Wee Herman, delivering one slam with the cool hood black guys, the most opposite Iowa boy, because we conditioned our audience for 16 weeks leading up to that. Because we did long-term business, because we had an idea of where we wanted him to go, and because we saw how our audiences reacted to him, we stayed fluid. Imagine if they would have done any of that with Daniel Bryan. You know, it's unbelievable how they, how their tone deafness kills their creative. When you can take a guy who only has to do one slam and you can sell out a fucking house with them. That's the difference between me and them. Incredible story. Incredible. Um. (laughs) Lumpy Magoo, where are you, man? If you know where Lumptista is, we're looking for him, dude. It's been a hunt for Lumpy for like the last five, ten years. Yeah, dude. He's hard to find. I think he got got some little Dolly uh, pregnant, and that was it for him in wrestling. But, dude, I had Serena become his girlfriend. I put Serena in a shirt with a bow tie. He comes out to the Pink Panther theme. He just stick his head through the curtain and look side to side. People lose their mind. (laughs) There's so much we can do to condition our audience. And once you know they like it and they bite on the game, now we got them. How do we play that game out over and over to make them feel like, I don't care who was in the main event in a big belt storyline. When Lumpy came out and did one slam, meant everything, bro. I don't remember anything from the rest of that show. But building up to that moment for 16 weeks, one grape, because I had to get the grape drink world spinning, right? 
I got to make the audience believe that great drink is the powerful spinach of Popeye. I got this kid over here who's, and then when I put them together and those worlds combine, what's in the middle of that Venn diagram is Lumpy's first offense off of grape drink. And then they cut the promo afterwards and in the black guys are like, yeah, we ain't going out like that. And Lumpy, yeah, we ain't going out like that. (laughs) You know, like (laughs) just to echo them, just to echo the absurd. Like uh, it it was beautiful stuff. And some of my favorite uh, creative that not a lot of people ever know about, man. And it's all stolen. (laughs) <laughs> yeah of course wow that's a, that's amazing um so i've got three more topics left ben. all right man um the lo- third last one is stipulations yeah once upon a time stipulations <laughs> meant something it was a feud and hell in a cell <laughs> it was it was the elimination chamber took place at this point in time because we needed to separate these bunch of men to find out who was going to be the champion right now a hell in a cell match will take place just because this feud happened to take place at a point in time where there was a pay-per-view called hell in a cell (laughs) that drives me fucking insane yeah yeah where did we go wrong with this shit was it vince being like, we need to brand these pay-per-views after specific matches. Money in the bank can't just happen because we need to have a money in the bank match. It needs to be mm. because there's a pay-per-view. Hell in a Cell match can't happen because there's a feud that needs this match for a feud ender. No, it just so happens to be the time of the year for mm-hmm. the Hell in a Cell match. Why has this happened? Please explain. <laughs> Do you know why the fuck this took place? Yeah, it was uh, when Bischoff brought in an elimination chamber idea and made money. It was cool. And then they were like, oh, well, goddamn, the cage makes money. Fuck the guys in it. Let's just come up with more gimmick cages. So Kali's going to get his own goddamn Punjabi prison, pal. So, you know, we're coming up with these set pieces that are interesting concepts for gimmick matches. But then the stakes of why we have them are no longer important. It's just they're solidified that we're going to, well, I spent fucking four million on that goddamn cage. You're goddamn right. We're going to use it. It could be as simple as that. You yeah. know what I mean? Like it could be that. So there's a little of that mixed in. Um, I, when you say stipulations, I'm going to take it a little farther because I don't necessarily look at uh, a match uh, with a gimmick like that as a stipulation. Maybe it, it is, but it isn't. So here's part one. So let's just go crazy. Uh, just an old cage match. Why do we have a cage match to start with? One of two reasons. And if you don't know them, I'm not going to hold your feet to the fire. Well, for me, I mean, I would say a cage match is uh, either because there was a situation where people kept running in on matches. That a boy. Just to keep people out. That's one. Good job. Oh man, the second one, all I can think of was like, it's a feud ender. This is where you got it, man. You're on it. Don't, don't right, show cool. yourself. Awesome, man. No, I wrestled, it's, it's... I used to wrestle and I was a weekend warrior. And so I never would consider myself ever being in the business in Perth, Western Australia. All right. I got, I mean, I got them. I nailed two it. For two. <laughs> I just got an A plus from Ben Harmin. Yeah. Oh, mm. yeah. That's tough. I, I, Cause man, I am I'm a up. I'm ready to marketing professor too. So. so I always lay little traps like that. What are the things? So 
too many run-ins or we're blowing off a feud that's a big blood feud. Yes. Owen and Brett. Owen and oh, Brett. I'm so right? proud of myself that I you that should I be, man. It. Barry Horowitz that shit yourself. Give yourself one on that. I like that. And I get and the John- reference because I'm not someone that doesn't <laughs> understand that, you know. I um, saw the t-shirt that he used to wear. It was solid, man. A very, very good gig. Um, so <laughs> that's the that's a stipulate that not necessarily a stipulation, you know what I mean? So here's uh, a little story that still shakes me to the core. So I don't know if you know who Dick Justice is or not. He was on uh, Impact, but I kind of helped create, uh, get him to the next level with my heat because he was in 2CW and he does a cop gimmick, fat cop gimmick. He looks right out of police academy. He's phenomenal. He's, he's the yin to my yang. I'm a super bad guy. He's an Americanized fat mall cop. <laughs> and in comedy gold, the guy can deliver 10 out of 10 times with beautiful, even when I'm not in there, he comes up with spots. Like one guy was going to jump off the fucking, like we see in every indie show off the top rope to the outside. Dick stops him. Whoa, 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 whoa. And starts singing. I wish you would step back from that ledge, my friend. And the whole crowd <laughs> is singing. I wish you. And then the guy steps down. Right. And then they all cheer. So he can do nothing and, and get it over. And we had great, great feuds. Uh, I kidnapped Jessica Havoc and got, that got us on Piper's. Yeah, I know. Right? I, that got us on Piper's pit. It, it got us with Duggan. When we've had six mans with Duggan, he's tagged with Duggan a bunch because of the business that we do that way. Well, we were doing the 95 X rock and roll show the summer. I think X Pac was on POD and Tommy dreamer. And, um, and I, I did a, match where if i lost i had to do the pledge of allegiance uh, u.s pledge of allegiance to the flag yeah and i go under and whatnot and dreamer is one of my idols in wrestling i've been lucky to work with him a couple times um but i lose and i start to do it and i pledge allegiance to the flag of the united states no i'll never say it you'll never get me to do it and then bong he hits me with the flag or whatever to but we get to the back and dreamer (laughs) sitting there lacing up his boots and he goes that's not how you do that one, boys. I go, I like shook me out of my fucking boots. I thought we did good. And I was like, oh, fuck. He must have been watching pretty intently. You know what I mean? Because he was pissed about it and like he didn't want to look up. So I, I immediately walk over to him, put my hands behind my back. I go, please, Tommy, let me know where I fucked up. I, I definitely don't want to do it again. And he stands up. He goes, he goes, I know you're a student of the game, you and Ali, which was my, you know, he knows from Australia and worked him there. Um, he goes, he goes, but I'll tell you right now. I go, he goes, I know you're a mark for Paul Heyman. He goes, but Paul, he would tell you this right now. He goes, if you set the stipulation, you pay off the stipulation. That's the business. You don't yeah. fucking get your shit in and fuck up the stipulation. Dude, my stomach sank, bro. Right. It was like, I've never been hit so hard. And I was just like, this is guy's my fucking idol. And I just fucked up. As like, soon I thought as he said it, you were like, oh my God. I was oh, wrong. dude, killed me. Fuck, killed man. me. Yeah, <laughs> and that, that was probably my shot at house of hardcore too to be honest with you which is a double stinger because i really want to work 2300 arena there's like a you know just a fucking say i did it because i was a huge ecw fan yeah no, I um and i've worked with dreamer since and it's been all good but that is one of those fucking wrestling scars that just right filleted me bro <laughs> right. so let me tell you this regardless of what it is you pay off the fucking stipulation if you're in the cage the cage is used in the finish. 
You have to fucking get it over because if you're just getting your own shit in, then the stip didn't mean nothing. And we don't, it's not going to give that audience, whether they realize it or not, that feeling of using it because we've set an expectation and we need to meet that and pay it off. Okay. And that's me throwing myself under the bus right now. I don't know everything (laughs) and I still don't, but I, but through learning, I, I guarantee I'll never fuck up another step again, bro. And it was dreamer was pissed. Like I get pissed because he wanted us to succeed. He wanted us to do fucking awesome and get it. And we didn't. And then without being too much of a, you know, like hard on us and, and grinding us down, he, he didn't need to, but he's like, he's like that when he goes, that's not how you do that one. And look down, I go, fuck. <laughs> he was wait. He was waiting on us, you know. But uh, after that, I think I, he gained even more respect for me as I always have for him, and that's something I will take to the fucking grave. You might want to put that on my tombstone. Just pay off the stipulation. Like, <laughs> uh, so y'all, are guys. I think the only way to not pay off the stipulation correctly was when Kurt Angle was shaved bald and he had that fucking wig underneath the uh, wrestling hat yeah. that he had on you, you didn't I like just, that no no i just if the only way you can like oh the shield, right. my right. my mom never gives a shit about wrestling but she found that to be fucking hilarious every week him with that <laughs> stupid wig underneath his wrestling uh, uh cap was like, and that's, that's a guy who is at the highest level of believable and how does he get over the most character but being, but being a dickhead yeah, uh, that's yeah, it. One hundred percent, he got it. Um, okay, so the next subject, the second last subject, Ben, mm-hmm. is the Royal Rumble. Now, I feel mm. like they got it right this year mm. for the first time in I don't know how many years. But before that, all of my friends, we would sit there, as I told you before, tradition, watching Royal Rumble together. And we would be fucking angry at how it went, especially the one where angry, Reigns won. Angry at how it went, not because of who won, but how it was booked, right? Because like of how- like Reigns winning when it was like him, Kane, and Big Show at the end. We're like, well, who's good? Well, Kane's going to win. Corporate Kane's going to fucking win the Rumble right now. Big Show, who's never had a push in fucking seven or eight years, is going to win. No, we right. already know. And then the Rocks theme hits. What do you, why do you think everyone's fucking booing him? It wasn't just that one though. It was so many rumbles where they took away the beauty of the legends return to the rumble by, Hmm. by, by putting an NXT or an NXT UK person Hmm. in and having Michael Cole being like, Oh, 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 it's, it's it's Pete Dunn. It's Pete Dunn. Like I'm sure Pete Dunn is fantastic, but me and my friends don't know who he is. Why are you having an orgasm, Michael Cole? I don't know, but Wouldn't I want to see. Thought, I thought the fact that they had that one tag match with Braun Strowman and Nicholas, that would have made it all right for you. Oh, of it. course, of course. But, <laughs> but like, like it, it just got to an era where they removed the legends or yep. the previous people mm-hmm. that were in the company making a surprise return to all these NXT and NXT UK people. And they just, it, Ray Mysterio coming out at number 30 and getting booed. I mean, Ray Mysterio's never been booed in his career. He gets mm-hmm. booed because they're all waiting for Daniel Bryan. Mm-hmm. All of this, 
shit for fucking, I don't know how many years, five years, like every rumble was shit, shit, shit. They did the last one correctly. Okay. Like I want to omit that from this discussion because it will ruin everything that I'm trying to put up here, but no, I'm with you. What happened to the Royal Rumble? Mm. Stone Cold, uh, Steve Austin has won the road. Shawn Michaels is the Rock is that 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 journeyman story of this guy fucking dealing with shit. And he wins the Rumble and he's now he's got to go to WrestleMania. And he's got to deal with his shit for the next two months to get there. What happened to the art, the beauty of winning the Royal Rumble? Fuck! Don't get me started on the pointing. <laughs> That's Don't. it, right? It's we horrible. we went corporate. We went corporate, and it, they thought it worked once. So we're gonna whore it out. You're gonna get out there and point at the sign, and this is the dude we're pushing. And it doesn't matter what. The Royal Rumble is about surprises. It's about overcoming insurmountable odds. It's about having a chance when you might not get a chance any other way. So if you're in the final four and it's Zack Ryder, people go, oh shit, Zack Ryder's in the fucking final four. He can win this. Are they really going to push him this time? No, we're not going <laughs> to. But you know, it's those anticipation things that make it exciting. And right when I got to OVW, I was pretty, not disappointed. I don't ever want to say that, but like one of, one of the first things as I was smarting up to the business and exposed that killed me, killed me because Royal Rumble is my favorite pay-per-view or was, um, you know, it, it was about what do you have to do? You have to throw your guy over the top rope. And the whole thing is a struggle to get the guy to the floor or not be thrown over the top rope. Well, not anymore. It's about Kofi Kingston jumping on a chair. It's about John Morrison doing parkour. Yeah. It's about this feud in the spot and the, the, and dude, when the worst thing is when guys, they call it staying small, you, nobody, everyone's fighting. And then they know the spot is coming. You just see them beat each other down and then they stay on the ropes like this so they can be down. So the camera can focus on this yeah. dumb little piece of bullshit business that they think is more important than what the it of the match is, which is to get a shot at mania. Yeah. And we don't need all these spots. I remember Al because it came down from WWE of how they want to train them. And I think it was one that we had on a big pay-per-view and Ryback was going over at OVW. Dude, it was uh hammer. You're going to eliminate uh, the ox. Uh, you're going to eliminate this. And here's how you do Every elimination's plan, 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 plan. Spots were planned because they're getting those guys ready to go on the road. So I get why Al's just doing his job. We go to Rip Rogers, class, the non-contract guys. And Rip goes, all right, we're all going to fucking get in there, do a battle Royal, 20 guys, fucking 30 minutes. You four are the last motherfuckers ready, go. No spots planned out. No, nothing. Everything is safe. Big elbows in the corner, big punches, chop, sell away. Oh, here's another guy over there. Oh, he's going to choke him. Da, 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 da. Everybody's up trying to eliminate dudes. Dudes are trying to keep themselves in. Nobody knows a spot. Nobody knows nothing. You go back and watch that on tape compared to the OVW one. The student one is 10 times better. 10 out of 10 times, bro. Everything looks like a real struggle. Guys are not just falling down. And that's the other thing too. Staying small in a Royal Rumble is absolute idiocy because you got 20 guys in the ring. You, I tell this to, to dudes on indie shows all the time if there's a battle royal because they don't know. Do not leave your fucking feet. 
And that's not to like stay strong and look like you're strong in the match. You got 20 guys. If you leave your feet and you're getting back up, a guy can be backing up, step on your Achilles. It's all done. You're done. <laughs> like there's, that's the best chance to get injured because of how many people are in there. So you work safe, you work close, you work tight, do chokes, heat on the face. <sighs> you show your face, try and get the big fat cocksucker over. Oh, we can't get him over. He's back double, whatever. He eliminates both of us. No, how do we do it? Like there's so many things that you can do and it doesn't need to be spot oriented of how will Kofi stay in the ring this time and come up with some ladder spot and shit like that. They've ruined the Royal rumble with spots. It, it, it should all be organic. The guys in there should be good enough workers. And you're right. The NXT thing is bullshit. All that is, is them going, you know, who should we have in here? Mm, you know, we should get Ron Simmons. Yeah, how much does he want? 70 grand? Nah, we can get fucking Pete done. He's already on. He just wants to be. <laughs> so do you want to save 70 grand or pay Pete Dunn 750 and make him mark out going, guess what you're going to do tonight, Pete? I don't know. Am I on the pre-show? Nah, buddy, you're number 13 in the Rumble. <gasps> really? Like, that's how they got him by the balls over there, bro. That's the difference. You're not, you're not going to call Farouk and go, hey, dude, you want to be number 13 in the Rumble? How much you pay, man? $750? Damn. No, I ain't doing that. (laughs) You're going to pay your 70 grand because that's them having a bunch of marks on their roster. I'm not calling Pete Dunn a mark, but like that's that's how they got it like that. And they don't give a fuck about their audience to do a Farouk and Bradshaw spot that they could that would cost them $100,000. They'd rather go street profit number one and Pete Dunn, and it don't mean fucking nothing, really. so annoying seeing a tag team member. You know he's not going to win. You know he's not going to win. So there's no point putting both Usos in the fucking rumble. Why wouldn't they at one time had it come down to Ron Simmons and Bradshaw? You know how awesome would that have been? Yeah, imagine them having to like fucking duke it out after all these years finally. We never saw it the first time. So Could have had Animal and and, uh, Warlord. Yeah. Or excuse me, Animal and uh, Hawk. Hawk, Excuse me. Yeah, I always get them. Yeah, you know, Uh, like, man, like they've removed that amazing moment of a legend just doing it trying that's dream booking that's dream booking and 2cw the indie i worked for in the northeast that was kind of the id of what we would do what legends do we have available what guys who are roh guys going to new japan that can take indie bookings who just got future endeavored and who else can we mix in uh, celebrity wise? When you put that all in a blender, you can come up with some pretty cool shit. And WWE could be doing that every pay-per-view, but it's laziness. And uh, again, rewriting the show at four in the afternoon, bro. Just uh, not not good uh, along that. But when that, that did F me up when I had to watch all those guys like take notes of who they're eliminating and shit like that. I was like, oh, you couldn't kill the art form anymore. And the audience sees right through it. It doesn't look like a struggle anymore. Yeah. Um, but I think the last Royal Rumble with Brock doing his thing. Believable. I, I really enjoy, like it really felt like it was so legitimate the way that Brock at this point, surely he's, and he was exhausted. I mean, he had a lot of horses fucking come out there and fucking, he made you know, Keith Lee in one night. Nobody would have given a fuck And then how do they how do they fucking come back with that? They got it. How how do they done with this? Dressed like Serena Williams. Um, 
the last one on the on the bill tonight, Ben, before we sail off into the sunset, is WrestleMania. Mm. WrestleMania, once upon a time, was this spectacle. Um, it was only three hours, sometimes maybe three and a half hours long. Mm. Now it's this seven hour long fucking thing and I mean the last one was two days and I hope they don't do that again and I know that they're considering it from what I've heard Triple H say but I hope they don't fucking do it it only needs to be the same length as WrestleMania 17 I mean how amazing was that pay-per-view it only needed to be that length and every match got enough time and it was amazing yeah what happened to WrestleMania? Why <laughs> is it now this seven out? It's exhausting. I had to get my friends to take the day off work because it is at like 9 a.m. in the morning here in Australia. But I got us to start watching it at midday. Everyone has to take the day off work. And by the time we get to the end of it, everyone is exhausted. We're, we feel sick because we've eaten so much junk food. <laughs> Why does it have to be this long? Why does, why, no, why shouldn't it be this long? Tell me what the fuck happened to WrestleMania. Yeah. I mean, this is corporatocracy. Uh, this is boardroom stuff where the dollars make the sense on this. You know what I mean? They, it's not about the art and about getting in and out and leaving them wanting more or a big payoff. They, for some reason, in some metric, Regardless if the creative isn't as good, the seven hours makes more money than the three hour get in and out does uh, for them. And that dollar amount means more to them than putting on a spectacle that's going to make their audience feel uh, endeared to them. Because all you're doing is wearing them out. When was the last time you went to the movie theater and sat through a seven hour movie? You don't want to, your ass hurts. Like that, it's just human attention span. So they're not even paying attention to what it really means to like have your audience captivated. It's just let's everybody's getting getting out there and everybody's doing something. It doesn't matter how shitty or if there's nobody in the arena. I mean, look at those opening matches. It just makes everything look so bad and clowny. And like you feel bad for like not a Mojo Raleigh, like being out there in front of 16 people in an arena that seats 35,000 because they're all outside still. It's just, I don't know how they can't see themselves. And that is really being inside of the wrestling WWE bubble. OVW's got a bubble. AEW does as well. They all have their own little things where they can convince themselves that this is the right choice, no matter how much everything looking from the outside says that this is the wrong choice and you can tell them it's the wrong choice. La la lolo lili la la. Like they're not going to listen to nothing, bro. Nothing. So they'll continue to, to do this because it must make some fiscal sense at the end of the day for them to keep doing that and going down that road. Unfortunately, it's at the cost of their diehard fan base and that fan base is waning every four months by about a hundred thousand people and if you go another if the projection trend stays the same we'll be at one million by 2022 of wrestling viewers unless something desperate happens and and dude shows on fox get canceled that have six million viewers exactly, yeah. how are yeah. you gonna justify one million viewers with shit creative 
football COVID like there's only going to be so much of that that and I think we've even passed that point like the Fox executives have to sit there and be like dude they've made fools of us but we can't and that and then WWE knows that they're they're using Fox's own ill will against them of like Fox can't look bad so we're gonna keep keep this experiment going because we'll all look like stupid marks for ourselves if we don't but that's the end of the road when it all crashes and we we go below. What's it going to take for them to pull the plug on What's that show? It gonna take? What is it going to take? I mean, it's just mind boggling to me as a fan of uh, when I was a big fan, it was 1998, 99, 2000, 2001. Mm-hmm. Um, once the invasion angle was botched, that was strike one. Once the NWO failed in WWE or strike two once ECW's return took place and it fucked up that was strike three and ever since then I've never watched full time um well I have they break my heart (laughs) they break my heart too many times yeah man well and and I couldn't do it and I I wish I could leave the abusive relationship mistress that is wrestling but I'm just too up to my to my neck in it man maybe in another i don't know four or five years I'll, I'll it's not that i haven't had enough it's it's uh the hope for my friends and people i came up with were kind of in the position now to have an influence to to finally be able to do a little bit of right after we've seen so much wrong um and i'm i'm excited for those opportunities uh even now after being ground down but to be in this business full force is to be in the mob it really is. <laughs> There's tons of uh, stab your buddy in the back, codes of Omerta, heat, and you know, I'll, just the way the game's played is not like anything in normal society. And that's why I think the conspiracy horsemen and other workers have a leg up on everybody else in podcasting and, and what it is where we look at things as a worker and we can see it coming a mile away. And, and, we, and the general public doesn't. And that's what makes us different. And and uh i don't know bitter and carny in our own way <laughs> but uh when it comes to wrestlemania man uh it's i was there at 18 for the rock and, and oh, I, was, I mean yeah i mean that Eesh. that moment it, it, being there live it was like nothing i've ever felt before of an energy swirling around us and like you were part everybody there was part of something yeah. you could feel it on you i've never felt anything like that ever again And if we're not trying to do everything we can to encapsulate and recreate more moments like that, then that's a, that's the, where the bar is the Hogan Andre slam. When I lived through that, when I was six years old, if we're not trying to make those moments, what the fuck are we in this business for that? That's where we should be testing ourselves all the time. And how did we get to rock Hogan? Well, that's three years of work in the rocks character to get him to that level, to make that match happen, to make that stakes believable. There's nobody with any stakes in WWE right now. Actually, I'll I'll take that back. Jay Uso and Roman Reigns for the first time, we have a blood feud, a comeuppance story, an acknowledgement, big brother, little brother overthrow. We had that with Brett and Owen. We haven't really had anything in so long that it's always been since Stone Cold and and he went away. It's been the boys versus the office year 20, 21, 22, like whether it was punk in them or what have you, the boys versus the office just got too much. And we're kindly, we're, we're finally away from that a little bit. 
but we're still not doing the creative builds that are going to get guys to that WrestleMania 18 rock Hogan moment. We just, we're not there yet because they're not wanting to make stars that are larger than life that are going to outshine the company. Another part of the bigger bubble of WWE wrestling. Yeah. I'm not sure if I've ever seen a crowd react the way that they did when Hogan hulked up. Just the, Uh, just the stare down, bro. The stare down like gave me vertigo. Like it it was drawing everyone in. You could feel it. I, I, I don't know how to describe it really. Uh, If you were there at 18 in Toronto, you know, um, and I was there for Trump too in Chicago, you know, uh, that, like that was a pretty magical in a, in a different way. Um, but now with what they've done with the outside arenas and just whoring it out to the X amount, I got to kind of put that on <laughs> the Bush administration of corporatocracy of America. When everything became corporate, everything, and it just became that way, WWE met the marketing trend and went in line and it became about the metrics and the numbers making the dollars, not making the emotion, the connection and the loyalty with your fans that became scrapped on the sidelines. And this model became the other way. And you see how hollow it is for emotional void or continuing to keep your audience brand loyal where they're not going, fuck this, dude, this sucks. Like everything in the nineties was like, dude, that was awesome. And then holy shit, a crash Holly match was awesome. And then that was awesome. And then right to censor, like you, you were like every, uh, then here comes Val Venus with the hose and like, you know, like everything you're lucky if you get one segment like that in three hours. Dude, Sunday night heat was amazing. Stevie Sunday night heat. You'd watch that shit and you'd be popping for every guy that came out because you know what? They were made important on raw. Well, that that's, here's the thing too, is things like Sunday night heat are an opportunity for guys who aren't over, who are great performers to have a little bit and drop pebbles in the pond. What can we grow on Sunday night heat? that will transition to the larger show. That's what we should be thinking of. And that's what we should be thinking of at NXT as well. But we don't, they were like, Oh, you got over on heat. Well, you're not getting that shit over on raw. <laughs> you know, like uh, a lot of things that Terrible when I was, attitude. Uh, yeah, when I was writing OVW and we had DCW, uh, well, this is before I started writing OVW, we'd be at the show every week or I'd be on it and I wasn't writing it, but I would see little details that Al didn't have time to, play out in the storyline further right for next week because only so much time and it wasn't that he was dropping details or anything but i would go aha and we'd write down three or four details and guys who were non-contract that were on ovw were also on dcw we'd take those details and flush them out into their own worlds on the student show and eventually the because both fan both fan bases are watching both shows you're giving them the little details and backstory that they didn't even know they wanted, but now they love even more. And the main show stories have an even stronger foundation because we played out those details and gave right. it real character noise. So the yeah. fact that they're not, they're so compartmentalized and shows are switching and these teams are doing this and they're doing that with 28 guys. That is the problem, dude. You need a, a close knit group where everybody is on the same page and, and, and pumping each other's ideas up. And then we go out and we implement them across a 360 degree landscape. So, so upsetting 
to see this <laughs> now, man. Like, uh, yeah, man. Like, like the fact that I'm doing a podcast in 2020 and I have not given a fuck about wrestling uh, since maybe 2003 goes to show how much that era means to me because I still watch it. I'm still watching it. I'm still watching mm-hmm. everything that I'd never got the chance to see. Like, I never got to see ECW on TNN. Now I'm watching that shit. Now I'm seeing what's taking place with that. Now I'm watching every episode of WCW Saturday Night from '95 to 2000 when it was. It was. It's all job that's too, matches. That's too, that's too much disco inferno for me. Trust Fuck. me, it's it's a <laughs> lot of squash matches. But I want to be able to say that I've seen it all. But for me, at this stage, to still love wrestling even though I haven't loved it in 17, 16 years, goes to show how much what took place back then meant to me. So I think you loved it, but it hasn't loved you. That's the problem, right? Like they don't want to do anything to say, thank you for your 17 years. Here's some quality creative payoff. And it's also like watching, you know, all-star hitters having to go back and play T-ball. Like we know that there's so much potential, but there's so many unnecessary roadblocks and drama that derail it all, man. And, and who's the one that really pays the price for it? We are, you know, and and we stay dedicated in this abusive relationship, not getting what we want out of it. And because we have hope that maybe someday the, the, the framework will crack and then someone will come in and repair it to fix it the right way. But it's 20 years of this, man. Is there even a way to do it? I think you just got to demolish it and rebuild, bro. Exactly. You know, I've got all these friends of mine who are a bit younger than me, but they're so positive about what's going on right now. And I'm, I feel like I'm, I'm the bitter guy and, they think that I'm old and out of touch with everything because I don't like anything that's happening today, but I'm just like, but you don't understand what I used to see. I don't see that anymore. And I, it doesn't draw me in anymore. I can't fucking like it. I'm sorry. No, trust me. Just give AEW a try. I can't, I don't like it. I don't like any of them. They're all too small. Uh, There's no one that entertains me. MJF is great, but like, no one else really entertains me. I'm not gripped by it. I can't do it, my friend. Try it. No, I can't. Try watching Impact. I just can't. Like, And Impact probably aren't doing anything wrong, but I'm so polluted now that I can't even give anything else a try. Impact's actually doing the best. I'm sure they are, but I'm just so polluted now. <laughs> With, but they have the lowest numbers. Yeah. They, they're yeah. doing the best quality uh, character work, scene work, uh, references to everybody and punching everybody outside of it. They're the ones with the least amount of bubble uh, and the least amount of ego uh, out of all the feds. But yeah, I think your buddies are fooling themselves. Sure. We all want something new and I've got plenty of friends in, in every fed, but uh, you know, if you're going to call yourselves elite and you're going to make mistakes or do things that are just so indie and greenhorn like you you can't hold yourself to that standard you know so uh there are brilliant moments with y2j and mjf and all that stuff i totally agree but i don't want to sit through two hours to have of shit to have to to wait through one moment this little bit it should be it should be the exact opposite it should be 90 percent killer beginning to the end i've got i've got to see the whole thing no uh Britt baker talking on online saying 
please watch the girls' matches. Yeah, people are tuning out of the. I girls watched matches. the girls' please match. Watch this. Please watch. I watched Sheeta versus Swole, and it was dog shit this week. And the week before, one of my best friends, Serena, gave Big uh, Swole her best match ever with simple wrestling. When you let them go to go do the New Japan, Kenny Omega agented stuff, their footwork's rotten, their strikes are rotten, their thigh slap is rotten, their timing mm -hmm. is off. And it's not it's like I feel any crazy. kind of way about the girls, but they don't even know how to do the basics. Or we have baby faces getting heat on heels when they should be fighting from underneath because they were told this 50 50 style. Well, if you're working somebody named big swole, guess what? She's stronger than you because a it's her gimmick and in her fucking name. So you shouldn't be working 50 50. You should be working underneath 90% of the match because you're going to win. You go over with some slick Japanese shit in the last few seconds where she's trying to get her big out power elbow on, but you were doing it and you win. You still fucking won. You don't have to beat up Big Swole because guess what? Now the tough black chick who's super athletic like a track star can get beat up by the girl who fucking works over at my sushi place. That's what it looks like to me. Yeah. Like so they don't they they're they're missing on a lot. I'm I'm very hopeful that Serena can do something where they don't have to put out that Britt Baker statement. I don't know if it was true or not, or, but it was weird. Um, that kind of mealy mouthing is not a good look for stars, and that's another part of this. We got a lot of kids in a new generation. And this is where I feel old now. Those damn kids where they don't use this social media to as a weapon and a tool to help their celebrity. It's things like that when you're a monster heel where you're mealy mouthing to tune it to, to the fans to not tune out during shitty girls matches. They just signed Eva Lise. I saw the match with her the week before. She puts her hands up like this so uh, Thunder Rosa can hook a full Nelson in behind her. No struggle, whatever. They just know the spot because they go, whoop, whoop, this, that, Number dude, dude, thing dude, full Nelson. Seeing, dude, them it, seeing them cooperate with one another when they're supposed brutal. to make it, man. This shit is a struggle. Can't, Everything can't do you it. do is a struggle for dominance. Yes. And 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 they're 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 that green, they're that indie rific that no one has pulled them aside and said, and I here's the other thing. I know they're not watching their own tape. They're not going and watching their matches afterwards, going, ew, that sucked. I never want to do that again. I'm a mark for myself. I watch all my own shit because my wrestling's rotten and I fucking go, dude, I'm not doing that again. I look like shit doing that. Not them. They get to the back, high five. That was the fucking best ever. And on to the next one, bro. Not, not one. How do I correct my footwork? How do I do this? That This Japanese double slap on the thigh headbutt is the worst thing I've ever seen. God it always it. looks phony as shit. Yeah, dude. And the, the way to do a headbutt is you grab your opponent by the chin. So there's rhythm. One, you look around. Am I going to do it? Two. Yes, I am. Cock back three, deliver four. Now that's rhythm that is in there. Wah, 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 wah. Friggin' when you just go headbutt, you go one, fuck and then it's going to look phony. And it makes and me, as a, as a watcher at home, go fuck off. Me too. Every time I saw it, I but, saw the whole thing. But nobody, when they get to the back, is going never do that headbutt again. Let me show you how to do a headbutt to get yourself over. God damn it, it makes me mad. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter though. You answered the cage question, right? So you're over with me, bro. <laughs> Thanks, brother. Um, <laughs> look, okay, look. Um, I I do want to interview again at some point, Absolutely. just to talk about your career. But I want sure. to do the first one, just about your thoughts and everything. 
because I, I just knew that this would be so much fun and I really, really enjoyed it. And it's 12.30 in the morning right now. And before this, I went to the pub with two friends of my gal and we drank well. several pints of beer and I got back at about quarter past nine at night, quarter past nine in the morning for you. And I was buzzing and I'm like, I'm going to be talking to Bin Harmeen in 45 minutes. I'm going to get my shit together. <laughs> and I did. And I've still lasted the test of time. So you know what? I answered those questions well. And I delivered on the interview as well. So I'm proud of myself, Ben. Yeah, well, we got to put heat on your co-host, though. So we'll pass the heat right on to them. Uh, hopefully, hopefully he's getting his uh, you know shit said? in right now. You know what he said? <laughs> oh, I don't know who he is. Oh, you well. know why he said that? Because he's like 22 years old. That's all good, man. A lot of people don't know who I am. And that's not always the worst uh, spot to be in, to be black market creative, because that gives but me the cover I need. Would I like to be uh, on, on your TV making big bucks and whatnot? Yeah, but uh, whenever I work a legend uh, or anything along those lines, it's never, except for when Tommy Dreamer cuts me down. It's <laughs> I always pretty much uh, deliver on what they expect and they seem pretty happy. So I don't need the edification of, not to shit on your partner, but 20 year olds be like, nice. he was never on TV. I can name you 70% of the roster who's on TV right now that I'm 10 times better than. <laughs> so, uh, I think uh, his point was like, he didn't think he would have anything to add to the conversation because gotcha. he just, he's young. <laughs> yeah, dude. He, he, and he he's getting laid. So, ruthless aggression era fan <laughs> that still watches AEW. So um, he thought that, man, you just, just having a little, Winch session about current day wrestling was what this show would need. But Ben, I want to end this segment or end this show with this segment called Five Second Frenzy. Five Second Frenzy is I ask you about the things that you like, and we get to learn a little bit about you other than what you like about wrestling. Mm. Um, so you got five seconds to answer each question, even sure. if you don't last the five seconds it doesn't matter because you can't give me a five dollar face slap from where you are and <laughs> i can't give one to you so i've got i've got sleeper cells all over the place you never know when brett logan right might show up just to give you a hot one and run away real bro i've been watching homeland like crazy in the last few weeks the last four days i've had dreams of being in the cia so <laughs> all i've been uh, two nights ago i punched donald trump in the face because he was he was hooking the arm of my girlfriend walking around the White House, and I was like, "Oh, that's not going to happen on my watch." As soon as I punched him, I wake up. Anyway, <laughs> who who is your favorite wrestler? Uh, well, any heel would say Ben Hameen, but uh, you know, Tommy Dreamer and and Bret Hart uh, are two guys that uh, I watched everything that they've ever done, man. And coming up, those are two of my favorites. Always. I admit, I had a Bret Hart poster on my wall when I was a kid. Uh, your favorite opponent that you've ever had? Mm. I mean, being on Piper's pit was pretty incredible. He, he laid me out, but we didn't really have a match. Uh, but I got to go probably my, my greatest feud long-term was uh super cop Dick justice. I had a, a great time there, man. Dick justice. Right. Um, your favorite match that you've had? Um, probably Mike Mondo spirit squad. Mike Mondo. Really? Awesome. Yeah, my, Mondo was uh, my best man in my wedding and one of the greatest really? wrestling minds I know. Yeah, and uh, and uh, he can take anybody's style and get 
20, 30% more out of him that you didn't even know what you were capable of. He's a true genius in this, in this business. Mike that's a, that's, that, that is a guy that never got his due as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I agree. Um, your favorite food. New York pizza. I'm the New York pizza king. Uh, also, I'm a, I'm a big seafood addict as well. But uh, when I go to the King's Palace, he's got his own steaks. We have steak, lobster, uh, he, you know, all the chefs. I've always been able to not go hungry, man. So uh, when it comes to uh, comes down to it, though, New York pizza is my ish. Okay, well, we've had pizza as the answer many times. Oh, so. sorry. Well, I mean, I had lobster. No, that's, and fine. Steak that's fine. That's <laughs> fine. It's my answer, too. So uh, <laughs> your favorite place to eat? on the road mm, favorite place to eat on the road usually when we're on the road uh we are coming back from canada or someplace and there's a chain on the east coast called tully's and they have the best chicken tenders on the planet uh you know wrestling in buffalo and whatnot with the buffalo wings and all that there's a lot of competition but to me uh and, and referee sideburns that tully stop on the way home is always our favorite right Sorry, my uh, my knee just dislocated. I dislocated my toe this morning, and I had to snap it back in. The time. My, my, yeah, well, my right knee is just dislocated. That's okay. We'll just keep going. Well, if you're uh, like if you're like Orange Cassidy, you'll just no sell it and then go hit your finish at the end on Cody. So, okay, it's back in now. <laughs> uh, ignore that. Um, favorite musical artist, Ben? Wu Tang Clan and the oh, Tragically. Okay. Nice. Nice. <laughs> yeah uh, i'm a massive massive uh wu-tang guy i've been on stage with them twice and uh m- met a bunch of them uh, at smaller shows when i lived in chicago and um tragically hip is one of the greatest uh, unfortunately gord downey died but uh it's they're canada's beatles and uh i i'm a huge fan of them cool man um favorite tv show uh the sopranos uh man, i've seen it like three times through <laughs> yeah, I've seen it probably you said, 48, 49. You said 48, but yeah. Uh, so, I mean, the performances on every level, uh, all those things, Boardwalk Empire, The Wire, that's where I operate it and try and write everything I do at that highest level. Uh, and I'm inspired by those types of shows. All right. Boardwalk Empire is the next show I'm going to go after after watch Homeland. Uh, I, I think been, you'll love been, it, man. I've been, my friend's been going on about Walking Dead, but I'm like, I just, yeah. Horror and zombie stuff isn't usually my my it's bit. Not mine so either. I don't really yeah. like the zombie thing. You know, it's been overdone yeah. for me. But uh, um, I think Boardwalk will be the next thing I want to do because it just sounds like it's going to be my thing. It's phenomenal, man. Uh, favorite film? Man, there's a lot in there. Um, I I was a Full I Metal Jacket, cool. Full Metal Jacket junkie. The Young Guns, the one and two. You can go Godfathers, Goodfellas, um, you know, there's there's a lot. But uh, really, lately, I've been uh, hooked on Gangs in New York. Uh, Daniel Day-Lewis's performance uh, as the butcher in that, and uh, There Will Be Blood. I'm just trying to look, look at actors who I think are the pinnacle of where I want to be. Uh, you know, if I get out of wrestling, I may go back to acting. Um no, James Gandolfini didn't even really get noticed or signed till he was 43, 44 years old. And I kind of feel like where your uh, partner might not know me. I think I'm, I, I'm destined for that kind of same 47 year old is going to be like, where was this guy the whole fucking time? Yeah, so no, I can see that, bro. I can definitely yeah. see that. I'm, you, I'm happy to you be talk, in the, the show. Talk so fucking well, man. Like, I, I don't know how many interviews you had, like at least 20, 20 odd 
straight out of the gate, you're just like, I'm just like sitting here just waiting for you to be done. Like the, you just, just kept going and going and going. Like, you're like shut the fuck up. Boom, so I can boom, ask my boom, next boom, question. Boom, boom. Bro. Like, man, no, I was very impressed. Uh, you know, and these are, these are guys that I've, that we interviewed that have been in the wrestling business for however many years, but you sold yourself 10 times more than they ever did. Um, uh, but yeah, cool. You know, uh, favorite film that's that's um, there's a few there, but uh, and I can see the uh, mafioso shit going on there. Your favorite oh, alcoholic beverage, Ben? Bourbon, yeah, man. I've been on a, a bourbon kick uh, a lot lately. What am I drinking? Blood Oath, uh, which is a pretty high level bourbon and it's uh, aged in cognac barrels, probably one of the smoothest finishes. But being in Kentucky, uh, you know, that's the bourbon trail right there. Evan Williams is a great uh, little side bourbon, but there's some connoisseurs who know a ton more than I do about it. But uh, I've been making Manhattans at our hunting camp since I was about eight years old. So I've been handling bottles for a while, man. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, second last one for five per second frenzy is your favorite female body part. Damn. Uh, I like a, I like a fat ass. No doubt about that. Uh, but, uh, when Steph has the gimmicks out on raw, it was, I don't even know who got drafted. I was just staring straight ahead. <laughs> the whole time. So somebody got drafted somewhere, but, uh, Steph, uh, actually up the ratings, uh, 200,000 by based on what she was wearing this week. Oh, it's nice to know that you and I have the same thing in common with Billy Gunn. So, mm, yeah. Uh, and the last one, Ben, your favorite curse word. Um, I, I got to go with cocksucker, even though I don't say it as, say it as much. It's always uh, Rip Rogers, Popsy, you fat fucking cocksucker, get in there and do five pins and don't don't throw up. Uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, I, I'm actually trying to swear, be more mindful on camera to swear a little less because I can get on a fuck tear uh, pretty quick, you know, and yeah. and that can get people to tune out from what you're saying. And to me, it just uh, you know, I, I can speak at a higher level, but then. I also say, why am I curbing my language? Uh, I don't want to censor myself, but if I, I only want to do it when I'm trying to get a point across that's important. And sometimes I can muddy my own waters that way. So I'm trying to be a better person. Yeah, that sometimes way. swearing can uh, take the intelligence out of what you're trying to say. I agree with that fully. It's just my emotion and passion of being fed up <laughs> yeah, more than anything. Uh, but I love when Kevin Nash was talking about the difference between, um, today's locker room in the locker room back in the day and his impression was of harley race with a big fat cigar saying and i told that cocksucker <laughs> that's why the word cocksucker pops me oh, because of just that one quote of him with his it's definitely a, like a old school wrestling like like you know when it i comes told up. that cocksucker <laughs> <laughs> shout out to harley man rest in peace dude one absolutely of the, one of the what a, that's a real man right there man Absolutely, bro. And that's what that's one thing we can get to next time is uh, for those who don't know theater wise, but my dad was a world class professional lumberjack. So uh, all the competitions and a lot of people from Australia of the shows, we, my dad runs kind of the WrestleMania of lumberjack competitions. Wow. Not this year for the first time in 40 years. Yeah, 46,000 people over two days. Wow. Uh, men's and women's. Um, and he was an amateur pro, uh, much like I am. 
And uh, so I grew up around <laughs> those real men's men, hard steel fucking hands, bro, handling chainsaws uh, and logs every day. I've got penis hands, dude. Like, look at that. <laughs> Mine are soft as can be, too, being on the keyboard and doing podcasts. But <laughs> I grew up around those grizzly cocksuckers. So I heard it all <laughs> and I've seen it all, man. So for Harley Race and those guys, that's the cloth I'm cut from, you know, in the original, dude. So mad respect to that whole generation, Killer Kowalski, all those guys do that's the shit i like cool bro well we will definitely reconvene for a part two to talk about your actual career and not worry about this wwe bullshit <laughs> i just like when you talked about braun Strowman the other day and i heard it, i'm like my god again he makes so much sense i need to mm. talk to him about what he would do with all the fucking bad shit that's happened in the wrestling business so i want to thank you for being on board tonight and talking to me for you know Jesus, nearly three hours. So, it's all good, man. Went by quick. It was a great conversation, dude. I, I know you're in the brand fan group. You're a big supporter of everything we got going on and this type of synergy and crossover, especially with the diehards that we have in uh, Australia that we've seen those numbers grow up at Hameen Media Group. I was uh, happy to accept the invitation. So thank you, man. So before we go, can you please just plug anything and everything that you can? Oh, I know shit, you've yeah. done it many times ago. <laughs> oh, here, uh, we got a lot of uh, food stuff. If you guys want to check out what we got going on, the brosters.com, uh, Russo Bro five pound coffee bag just in time for the holidays. Uh, some of the best I've ever had, to be honest with you, and people are loving it. So if you want, an official Russo bro bag of coffee, go to the brosters.com. Uh, my platform is completely free. Uh, we are going to start a Patreon, but seven days a week, uh, you can go to Hameen Media Group or Hack and Hacker Hameen on your iTunes or hackerhameen.podbean.com, hameenmediagroup.podbean.com. We're on Spotify, whatever it is. One's our main channel. The other's our affiliate with spinoff shows from our hosts. But we're covering every wrestling show, Impact, AEW. We have three locker room shows a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Stevie Richards is on there, Strangler Steve King, uh, Ted the Man Beast, some great veteran uh, voices. And just uh, everything from Star Wars uh, podcast to uh, the Suck My Balls South Park podcast. So there's tons of entertainment all the time, you guys, uh, going on at Hami Media Group for free. No reason to go subscribe to these other paid services with guys who have never been in the business, who think that they're experts and that their opinions hold any value whatsoever when they don't. And if you're a Russo's Brand subscriber, Russo'sBrand.com or uh, Patreon.com slash RussoTWC, and you're checking out Master Shoot Theater, where I do a little, yeah, pal, yeah, we're going we're gonna to write raw again this week. We're, screw this script. Uh, we do have some fun over there, man. Uh, and, and that is paid side. So if you are a paid subscriber, I just want to send a double thanks for that, uh, spending your money on that. But if you really want to support the brand, it's ProWrestlingTees.com slash Bin Hameen Infidels or else bring $5 to your next show and say, I want a 55 live $5 face slap. And I might just give you an extra one for free here. Just so California and Fury will get his ass up and watch the rest of the shows and be tortured like the rest of us infidels. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, bro. That's fantastic. Um, so before I sign off tonight, Ben, again, I want to say thank you for being with me tonight and having a, great conversation i really had fun and um after i sign off of the podcast i'd like to give you a, a personal farewell afterwards so um sure. don't hang up after we're done so again ben thank you very much
Really appreciate your time. You can catch me at the new show down there, Thunder from Down Under, pal. Yeah, no pants for anybody. I'm going to let it swing this time, pal. And thank you, Ben. And thank you for everyone that watched the podcast here in conjunction with the WZWA Network. I am California Free alongside my friend, Ben Harmeen. Thank you for joining us. And we'll see you next time. Pay off the stipulation, infidels.